0: disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down an American loser the day I was born
1: Hello, welcome to a very, very special edition of American Loser. Uh, I'm KP Burke. Uh, I'm your host. If you guys know about the podcast, it is the spotlight that puts the spotlight. uh, uh, Wow, I'm screwing up already. We've been drinking whiskey, guys. It's not good. Okay. Happy birthday. It's my birthday. (laughs) So that's the birthday episode here. Um, We are, as always, live at a shared universe studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. Behind the ones and twos, who could it be other than the big kahuna?
0: Hey, what's
1: Uh, up, man? I hear you. And with us, as always, uh, my Delph of a dad joins us. Lawrence Patrick, how are you? I'm just
2: doing fine. Just doing fine here. What well, were you doing uh, 32 years ago today? 32 years ago today? I was probably walking along the sidewalk uh, in Patterson, New Jersey, waiting for a, a bundle of joy to come... Come out of St. Joseph's Hospital. Buying cocaine mm-hmm. before I was there born. That's, right. <laughs> but, uh, That's it. Okay. <laughs> Got to prep myself. <laughs> he knew. Well, it's
1: also true on that one. Now, we will get into my weird adopted stories because my dad's told me, and my mother's in studio too. She won't come on the show. We'll bully her into it eventually. But, she's uh, the live
2: studio audience, time.
1: Correct. <laughs> and uh, what what better panel than uh, a room full of people she's made snacks for? Uh, LAUGHTER
0: Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're on the
1: list. You're on the list, my friend. I assure you. You know your family, Kahuna. Um, but uh, I got I got two very special guests here, two of my oldest friends on planet Earth. Uh, and, and not for nothing, if you listen to the show regularly, you guys know it's a history podcast, but uh, I work as a comedian now. Uh, I haven't been in a room with uh, the, these same four people here at the table right now in a long time. I'm very, very happy. Uh, I'm an Eagle Scout, guys. I don't know if you knew that. All right. I mean, got a, uh, my father was my scoutmaster. Is that true, dad? It's absolutely true. As much as they have uh, asked us to disassociate ourselves from the voice. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, they just want to erase that yeah, part of their history. A very litigious group, one might say, um, but uh, you have three of your Eagle Scouts at this table, Larry. Absolutely, Burke. this feel? is
2: pretty pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah, you got you blew me away tonight when these guys started walking through the we door. Know. We were afraid you were going to cry, and then we're all going to cry. Yeah, 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 tears will come later. Yeah. Did, yeah. You surprise,
0: yeah. <laughs> did you surprise? Did surprise him?
2: Misty-eyed <laughs> Larry's no good for anybody. Put a sacrifice on the on the campfire later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure something out. Well, uh, yeah. So the
1: Scoutmaster of Troop 104 is always here, but uh, uh, former senior patrol leader Charlie Kersia, one of my oldest friends on planet Earth, joins the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, and uh, Charlie's a regular listener, as is our other guest, uh, the man. Uh, I think my first friend. I really do think you were my first friend.
0: That sounds right.
3: Yeah. I don't have information to contradict it. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: well, just like, let's go. I wasn't with that. there. I
3: wasn't there, <laughs> or I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By the way, some of my favorite guests already. The first thing that he says when I walk in, big fan of you, Kahuna. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I truly. Am.
1: <laughs> I told you, if you want to be a guest on the show, you just have to listen. That's it. We're going to get to you eventually. That's right. right? <laughs> Right? Rachel right. Veronica out there in Texas who's always messaging me on Instagram. That chick's funny, by the way. She writes me some weird shit. Um, but uh, she's the one who sent me a photo of her grandmother and says, doesn't my grandmother look like captured Geronimo? <laughs> 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 and guess what? She did. <laughs> I'll post that one up on the Instagram here. Oh, no. Charlie brought in – this is one of the nicest gifts I've ever gotten. We're already halfway through it. That's why I stumbled. Only uh, a
3: quarter. We've got a, <laughs> we've got a long way to go. Yeah, that's third. right.
1: Lambay. Irish whiskey. It is a small batch blend and uh, it's going – it's finished in cognac casks. And uh, to honor that, we're drinking out of dirty pint glasses from the podcast before us. <laughs> <laughs> it works. So, uh, But I feel like Irish – I mean, it, it, first of all, it's great to have you guys here. Uh, now, again, we covered that my father was the Scoutmaster. Now, people don't believe me. Was there any weird traditions? Because you guys were in the troop. Keep, this is a weird thing, Kahuna. I'm a year younger than these guys. Okay. Um, okay. Now Charlie was homeschooled. That's why he's very successful, and uh, uh, and socially awkward. <laughs> and somehow a father still. That's kind of weird, right? But um, it uh. She was homeschooled too. <laughs> don't ask where they met. Don't ask where they met. Don't ask where they met. Don't ask where
2: they <laughs> <laughs> school dance. <laughs>
1: Um, but uh, no so uh, you guys were in the troupe a year before me so, well,
3: Charlie was in the troupe a year before me, even.
1: Really? Yep. Yeah. I forgot that. That's um, – because yeah. yeah, it's homeschooled, but he held back a grade because we were more fun to hang out with than the other kids, I think. That was the reason. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he lost a year due to Half-Life on, uh, on PC. <laughs> but um, – so you guys were in the troop before, and uh, our scoutmaster then was Mr. Shamley, who I mm-hmm. loved. He was my scoutmaster in my first year. Loved And guy. he was great. He Super was. Super fun. Yeah. And – um uh, really, I mean, just continued my my love of because uh, I love scouting, man. We went camping every weekend, um, and then some asshole took over
4: <laughs> <laughs> and
3: ruined mornings, Sunday mornings, <laughs>
1: for a very long time. <laughs> made us cook our own food. <sighs> Ugh. Unbelievable. Well, right. it, it was weird too because. Um, not for nothing, I, I still remember because uh, you were you were involved with Cub Scouts, but you weren't taking charge of it just yet. And you walked into my room one night uh, after an adult meeting uh, with the scouts. <laughs> yeah,
2: and you, uh, you Mr. Know, Shemley, uh, <laughs> Mr. Shemley had to step down as scout master due to his wife's illness. So the adults had a had a little powwow as to figuring out you know where do we go from here now that um, Pete Shemley was stepping down. So
1: go ahead. Well, I I remember it because he he sat there and he just goes, uh, he goes, hey, Kev, um, you might think it's cool now, but maybe in a couple of years you're not really happy with it. Um, They've asked me to, you know, step up as the scoutmaster of uh, Troop 104. And, you know, think about it. Take your time here. If you have a problem with it, I won't do it. You know, I want to respect that. But, you know, if if you have an issue with it, I won't do it. And I said, "Uh, no, Dad, I think that's great. And then under his breath, he just goes, shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, ever since then, you were the, the, the Scoutmaster Emeritus, if you will, of yeah. uh, Troop 104 in Pakenack Lake, New Jersey. There so. you go. <laughs> Shitload of Eagle Scouts for you, though, sir. You we had a did. lot of them.
2: And yeah. I got three of them sitting right now. You did a, good, right you did a good job. It's pretty awesome. You did. Pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> it was uh, it was a fun one. Now you guys were saying he ruined Sunday mornings uh, to lead us into this week's American loser. We will get to a topic. We had a really really fun <laughs> one <laughs> eventually. Uh,
2: eventually. I was wondering. This podcast always <laughs> go more than an hour. <laughs> Od- oddly, get on, on topic, with it, though. <laughs> yes,
1: uh, in a weird way on topic. Uh, yeah. Chris, uh, you said ruined Sunday mornings. How did so, you do that?
3: So Sunday mornings, you know, on a Boy Scout camping trip, you're up late. There's campfire. There's storytelling. There's usually s'mores. um <laughs> And so you're up really pretty late, which might be like 9.30.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't know. About that. There was no smartphones yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah, there were
3: no <laughs> smartphones, really no watches. No idea. But, you'd, you know, you'd want to sleep in. times. Exactly. You'd want to sleep in. Usually the day before, you probably did a five, six-mile hike. So you're tired. You wake up in the morning to the melodious tones of a <laughs> of a battery powered boombox, a '90s boombox. Keep in Just, mind that
1: boombox was also the uh, the audio entertainment system uh, in the minivan that drove us all to the camping. Trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was right. no working radio in that. <laughs> we were right so. <laughs> <laughs> And it continues, sir.
3: <laughs> and it was absolutely blasting a the same song for. All four years of of my scouting <laughs> career under Scoutmaster Burke, yep. the same song, "The Irish Volunteers" by I want to Kincaid. Oh right. shit, he got but it. But I want to say Thomas or Dennis.
1: Uh, David. David. Yeah. David. David, uh, yeah. Day. Day. David Kincaid. And I want you guys to know that was how every morning started at the Burke household. <laughs> um, <laughs> up in the morning, out on the job. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was a uh, that was a pisser, man. It was very funny. It was. Um, and then whoever tried to stay in their sleeping bag the longest somehow got the, uh, the the speaker next to their head. That seemed to be the consensus on that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or the tent collapsed on them. <laughs> that happened a few times too. Matthew Giordano. Uh, he's a cop now. Do you guys believe that? Right? Eh. I used to like seriously. I used to support the cops. Now not so much. Um, <laughs> That's my thing. Now I used to support the cops because I was like, you guys don't know what they go through to get hired in the job. And then I saw Matt Giordano got, and I was like, whoa, really, guys? Come on. Can we bet this a little harder? <laughs> Another Eagle Scout from 104, though. And, uh, true. True. Another one of yours, yeah, too, right. sir. Is he um, a listener? Um, well, I mean, I'm going to. Not make...
3: anymore. Yeah. <laughs> used to be. If he was, he's not now.
1: <laughs> it's, um, it's a fun one on that one. But uh, yeah, so there was, um, there, it's so funny, too, because there were kids, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite guys uh, in the troupe was uh, Aaron Milan, who. Was he, he was his father was from Brazil, right? I believe so. Yeah, and so and Aaron had a, a you know Spanish back, but he would have like this uh, this Irish pride that would swell up in him sometimes, which oddly also kind of fits into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so you had a, uh, an entire Boy Scout troop of kids with um, this fighting spirit of Ireland in them but we're all from New Jersey and a lot half the kids are Italian (laughs) yeah
2: I mean the Irish Volunteer was actually a a recruiting song from the Civil War so it was definitely a let's get up and go at them kind of a thing so uh, and we kind of made our our presence felt when we went off to summer camp when uh, you had you know, a couple of dozen other troops surrounding us that, uh, who are those guys? <laughs> the looks we got on some of the whitewater rafting trips when they were just like,
1: I thought we were just paddling. I thought it was a lazy river and now Mad Max is happening to. The river.
5: <laughs> you you water cannons. Where did they get face
1: paint? <laughs> so... uh Truly, Turner. Yeah, <laughs> Thunderdome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, truly, some of the the best um, memories of my life here. But uh, so I'm so happy to have you guys in for this one. Uh, and you're both listeners, so you get the show. So uh, without further ado, today's story is going to be a wild one, Cahoons. All right, there is going to be some history on this one. I promise you. Yeah, somewhere we got uh, <laughs> we got immigrants, we got territory disputes, we got future presidents' betrayals, and a full blown war on the border. So uh, in order to tell this story from a, a boots on the ground perspective. We're going to focus today on a uh, guy by the name of uh, John Riley. All right. Um, you're not going to believe this. Uh, you want to guess what his real name was back in Ireland? Charles Curcio? I got nothing. All right. <laughs> John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt? <laughs> um, no, uh, in a hilarious way, uh, a. a an honorary Eagle Scout of Troop 104. Uh, this uh, holds, holds the same name as this guy, uh, Sean O'Reilly. Oh. This, this guy's real name <laughs> on, uh, on the looks there, but um, we're going to tell the, uh, the boots on the ground perspective here from a, a guy by the name of John Riley. Now, this guy's interesting, in He's got a statue in his honor in County Galway, Ireland, which, by the way, is where the Burks are from. Okay, um, and then uh, not Mammoth. <laughs> no, not I hope that was in there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know if that's going to make the final cut because it was before we started. But uh,
4: I'll um, work it in so got, somehow.
1: So we got Irish whiskey here, and uh, and the Kahuna uh, came in and I said, "Hey, dude, we're going to honor part of your Irish heritage because you are part Irish." You said, "Right." Yeah,
0: I just don't so, know where exactly from. My, father, so. my
1: father's immediate line is, "Well, what county are you from?" And then he just goes, "Oh, Mammoth, Mammoth, <laughs> <laughs> <Monmouth>, New Jersey." <laughs> But uh, yeah, so this is interesting. So in County Galway, there's a statue to this guy, John Riley. But the statue was not uh, – it wasn't made by the Irish government. It was actually a gift from the Mexican government. So now this is weird too. There's also a statue of this guy in Mexico City. So if you're born in Ireland in 1817 and you died somewhere in Veracruz, Mexico in 1830, it's a pretty good bachelor party.
3: <laughs> not bad. Not bad at
4: all. Yeah,
1: his death, by the way, still under mysterious circumstances. They don't quite know the whole story. So when we have that kind of a mystery to play with, you know you're in for a good loser here. Um, Now, I guess the question in this, Dad, is uh, why do Ireland and Mexico both have statues dedicated to a guy who served in the U.S. Army?
2: Why? Well, he uh – he was kind of a professional soldier, if you will. He started in the, actually in the British Army, rose to the rank of sergeant, was an art- artillery guy in the, in the British Army, went around the world with the, with the British Army. And why is there an Irishman fighting with the British? Well, because it was a job. It was a way of sustaining yourself because hard times in Ireland for sure. So any work was, was better than starving to death. <clears throat> but uh, eventually— he makes his way into Canada, um, but why is he being celebrated in Mexico? Well, yeah, g-
1: give us, uh, give us, because we're gonna, you're going into the impetus <laughs> of the story here for a second, um, all right? Because, because Chris and Charlie it's, both know we're about it's kind to of talk about the
2: whole
4: about.
1: story. Right? All right, <laughs> yeah. is there, say, maybe a war that's going on that this guy plays an integral role in?
2: Absolutely, yeah, the war with Mexico, but uh, there's a whole background to that as well. But uh, back in the day. Uh, there was a, a huge um, desire for expansion, gaining more property, uh, you know, more territory, more territory. That, manifest uh, destiny. Manifest destiny. Thank well you Christopher. Yeah, absolutely. Manifest destiny. So what is manifest destiny? It was a, a belief that really started in the uh, early 1800s that uh, the United States was destined to take over all of North America, the white Anglo-Saxon United States was going to rule the entire en- emphasis North on Protestant yeah. white anglo Saxons. <laughs> right, <laughs> so. right, right. Um, 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 that it was their their destiny um, by God really that uh, they were going to further that whole um, republic to the, the entire North American continent. Never mind about the French or the Spanish or the or the British or whatever. But
1: that's the thing that always gets forgotten here, too. Not to interrupt <coughs> you, sir. Um, but it, it's that so America's in its early stages here. It's a young country. Um, you know, we're, we're past the War of eighteen twelve, and we're sitting there, and we're trying to figure out. Uh, we have these great ideas that guys like Jefferson and Washington came up with. Well, really Jefferson, but um, they're trying to sit there. Okay, are we going to just be a footnote in history? That eventually the British government's going to take all this back over. Are we going to be speaking French next year. We don't quite know. Spain's got all this territory, but they're a power that's kind of in and out of, uh, you know, they're fluctuating. Is that a fair term to say, guys? Reasonable. Yep. So uh, as we're going through all this, we're trying to figure out, well, the the best defense is going to be a great offense. So if we can make sure that all this ship belongs to us, we don't have to worry about somebody else building up a camp right next to us. Guys, what was the game we like to play? Uh on the computers, uh, Age of Something? Age Charlie? of, age of <laughs> <Empires>. <laughs> I was thinking
2: about that on the ride down yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so. that whole Manifest Destiny thing, that wasn't anything really new. I mean, um, for the United States to continue on with uh, westward expansion, that, that goes right back to our very core. Thomas Jefferson uh, made a deal with the French to buy the Louisiana Purchase. And I think one of the difficulties that we have in modern day times is when we think Louisiana Purchase, so. What did you buy? By the state of Louisiana? No, that was just you know, basically double the size of the, the country. country. Right, the Louisiana <laughs> territory was a huge swath of of, uh, of land, and then he sent Lewis and Clark. Jefferson um, sent Lewis and Clark out west to explore this. Virtual unknown territory and and beyond. Um, their mission was to get out to the Pacific Coast because then you could stake a claim. <laughs> you know, you can put an American flag on the coast of uh, on the West Coast and start to claim all of that for the United States as well. Um, because it was a it was a worldwide land grab with all these uh, international powers that uh, who well, can I, grab the I look the at it this way. There's uh, there's
1: how many Curcio kids. <clears throat> Four. Four <clears throat> kids, right? So, and the Curcio's had a pool. So you had to figure out which Curcio was yours that was going to get you into the pool.
2: That's right, right. right. And Chris yeah. and I With, jumped on Charlie. Hey, we Charlie's, like, Charlie's, what's, what's my <laughs> ticket in? <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, you go over to Curcio's house on a hot summer day when you're bathing suit and towel around your neck. Hey, hey Charlie, what do you want to do today? <laughs> you know? Is
1: Charlie home? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> My mom would have let you guys.
1: We were uh, we were popular. I'll put it that way. <laughs>
3: I've got one fun Lewis and Clark fact. Talk to that me. The reason why we know Lewis and Clark's path is because they were given mercury pills to help with their digestion. And so we we're able to track via their
2: mercury-laden shit. No way.
1: <laughs> across the wow. northwest. Oh, my God.
2: That's leaving Trace, baby. That's leaving Trace.
1: <laughs> Going against all the leave-no-trace scouting principles. That's right. <laughs> That's, uh, you know what's funny, too, is that the, uh, there were other nations' armies that were after Lewis and Clark. So the idea of they're like, a, we can't find these guys anywhere. All we're seeing is just these turds that glow. <laughs> no, no one's sure. We're losing on all fronts here, guys.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean Jefferson was purchased to Louisiana, purchased from the French. He was also in negotiations to purchase Florida and whatever other property the Spanish might have laid claim to at that particular point. Uh, Florida. So, And, it, you know, in the United States in like the early 1800s, was like 5 million people. Um, within, you know, 50 years, they were now up to like 35 million. So, I mean, they're just bursting at the seams in that whole Western expansion. All these Europeans were coming over, all these immigrants are coming over with the promise of a, of a better life. And in, in the United States, um, and you know, land is is there for the for the for the taking kind of a thing. So
1: now here's the the weird misstep that because uh, I want to get us into this because we don't want to burn too much of the yeah. material for uh, no, uh, you guys are great. Uh, you're kicking ass right now. Uh, we don't want to burn the material for some future episodes because there's a, a certain fellow who may or may not have worn a coonskin cap that's going to be an episode later. That's a, a little bit of a childhood hero of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Revron. <laughs> no, <that's okay. laughs> going is it Reverend? No, that's okay. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I'm really uh, I'm excited to talk about this here, too. So the big problem that Mexico makes is that Mexico kicks. Uh, they finally beat Spain, if you will. They're kind of trying to create their own little country down there. Right. They gain their own independence. Right. And uh, now they got all this territory, but no people. That's kind of a weird right. problem to have, right? right. So uh, the deal that they make is they say, "Well, we'll let people come in here and settle, um, and then you guys can be part of you know what we're growing here." It's, it's a obviously it's very nice land. It's you guys ever been out to California and shit like that?
4: Yeah, it's California. Beautiful. Yeah, I've
1: never seen it. I hear it's fantastic. Yeah, but, it's very yeah, nice. I'm not you allowed. must go. It's a <laughs> go west. <laughs> yeah, young really. go west, young man.
2: Go west. Absolutely.
1: So. Uh, Anyway, uh, in, in short, what winds up happening uh, in a little area known as uh, uh, Texas, the uh, Texians are down there. Um, and the Republic they, of
2: Texas. Yeah. They, well, before, well not, uh, yet. <laughs> oh, not yet.
1: So they come in there and they say, uh, well, man, we just love this this little patch of earth over here known. Uh, you know, we're calling it Texas. We're calling ourselves Texians. And um, the only rules that Mexico had, they said, guys, come on out. You, know, do, your, you know, do your thing. Live your life. Uh, all we ask is that you you know, have loyalty to Mexico. Uh, convert to Catholicism and you don't own slaves because Mexico did not want slavery and these guys go Ooh, tough bargain okay <laughs> yeah. you're telling me we're going to have all this land but I'm sorry pal we are uh, proud Protestants uh, we are also uh, we're not beholden to swear an allegiance to Mexico and uh Slaves just make everything easier, all right, guys. <laughs> but they uh, they refuse that, and then Texas has their little uh, incident, which uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call it an incident. Is that fair?
2: Well, the Texas Revolution. Yeah, I mean there is Mexico politically is a mess. I mean they do gain independence from Spain uh, early on, um, but like between 1833 and 1855, which is the time frame that we're really talking about with the with the uh, the Alamo and the and the war, the, the, the Texas uh, Republic, and everything else from 1833 to 1855, the Mexican presidency changed at least 36 times. So I mean, you know, who's in, who's out? What? what let me check my watch. What time is it? As to uh, who's actually in charge? And, and a lot of the names uh, are they show up multiple times. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of repeat performers, but I think the premier repeat performer is a guy by the name of Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. Who was the president of Mexico, or emperor of Mexico, or dictator of Mexico, whatever title? Depending he, on which month, dep- yeah, depending Napoleon on what you were talking about, he was uh, he h- held the presidency for at least eleven times. Hmm. So he's in, he's out. Four he, more years. <laughs> four more. more <laughs> weeks. I want to recount more weeks. You know, um, so he's he's back and forth. So at one of the times initially, Mexico was asking for American citizens to come into this area called Texas. And again, by modern mindset, Texas is that little state that we know as Texas. But the Texas um, territories, if you will, back then was took in a whole lot more than just the state of Texas. We're talking about parts of Arizona, parts of New Mexico and everything else. Uh, The Mexicans have been having a problem that the eastern end of, of what we now know as Texas was pretty much populated with Mexicans. The western side, not so much. We had some native peoples called... Comanches that they were having a lot of difficulties with. So, the Mexican government think, well, we'll bring the Americans in, and hopefully, they're going to settle the western end of Texas. And we'll let counter these local assholes with not so local assholes. <laughs> right, right.
3: Let them local assholes or not <laughs> let, assholes let, let them control. do it out.
2: You know, <laughs> and again, you know, we think. Today in modern day times, you know, Texas, you got uh, California, New Mexico, Arizona, parts of Colorado. I mean, that that's a huge amount of uh, territory. But it's the entire uh, Cactus League for spring training and baseball. <laughs> <laughs> right. And although it was being controlled, it was under, you know, Mexican control or uh, Mexico. um it was pretty much, you know, truly the Wild West because there was only about 75,000 Mexicans north of the Rio Grande. So we're talking north of the Rio Grande. Now, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, California and California at that time went all the way up to you know, um, Oregon and, and in, point, points north into Washington. So we're I went to Oregon once in third grade, by the way. I um, I died of cholera. <laughs> <laughs> On
1: sorry. the Oregon Trail? Was a smart that joke. Was, I'm in to tr- 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 that was in my it. house. <laughs> 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 then we found Max Payne, and it's just all downhill from there. Oh, my God. What a um, great game. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sir. Just had to break it up with a smart joke from No, that's
2: all right. That's all right. So anyhow, <laughs> um, we got these Americans coming into Texas And then there's a whole presidential shift once again and Santa Ana comes back into power once again and repeals the Mexican constitution that uh, the Mexican government had set up in 1824, which pretty much gave um, all these little individual uh, states within Mexico self-rule. Uh, which is something that the United States was going to fight over, you know, <laughs> a, a states' rights kind of a thing, and Texas decided that they were going to become a, a, you know, they were going to have slaves where everybody else in the rest of Mexico was not. Santa Anna comes back into power. He um,
1: that, that's what the fear knocks that they lived out in the though. whole
2: thing and says, all of these Americans, you got to get out because we're taking everything back again. So he reneged on the whole deal that former. Um, his predecessors promised these people. Well, the Americans really didn't take too kindly to that. I mean, you're just setting up a homestead and everything else, trying to get yourself up off, up, up and going here. And now this guy, the new guy, the president, uh, De Jour, is <laughs> now saying you got to get out. You
1: realize that though, right, Larry? That that's the the reason why that they were in fear of that. That they needed slavery to exist in the uh, what would become the the free, you know, state of Texas, if you will, is that uh, they saw Mexican laborers. And uh, they were just, you know, that's how hard those people work, that they're like, we have to bring in slaves to compete with this. (laughs) Right,
2: (laughs) right. right. Can we get somebody to work as hard and pay them less?
1: My boy Junior Reyes at work, he outworks five of us. Okay, it's insane.
2: (laughs) Well, anyhow, we're not up to the Mexican War yet, which would you ask me to try, but to, uh, (laughs) to, to, to lead into this whole thing, but. You know, there's a whole huge backstory that you can't just jump right into the war with Mexico, because before we talk about the war with Mexico, you got to talk about the war with Texas. So anyhow, um, Santa Ana says, you know, you, all the Americans got to get out. Now, the Americans did have they were kind of like self-contained, self-ruled, uh, had nothing to do with the Mexican government back in Mexico City. And then on September 29th in 1835, there's a detachment of the Mexican army that arrives in Gonzales, which is Gonzales, Texas, which is the eastern end where most of the people were hanging out. And it became known as the Lexington of Texas. So Lexington and Concord. (laughs) This was the start of uh, uh, really shooting hostilities with the Mexican government. They come to take away this cannon. And the Americans put up this flag like, come and get it, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. come and take it, come and take it. So there's a, you know, they're uh, back and forth, back and forth. And the Americans attack the Mexicans and there was the the shooting starts. Um, That leads into the whole um, uh, war with Mexico as far as the Texans were concerned um, because they were trying to create their own independent state away from Mexico, Mexican government. They were their own republic. They weren't United States. They weren't Mexican. They were the Republic of Texas. Of course, the United States is looking at this as like, hey, it's (laughs) our people that are down there. They just created this whole big swatch of property that uh, are very favorable to the United States. We would like to annex them. They would like to have them come into the United States, into the Union. And, you know, Mexico really never formally gave up that territory to the Texans. Um, So there was a big bone of contention there as to what exactly we're talking about, where are the property lines and everything else. That leads us up to now um, President Polk. He's elected. What did he
1: believe in, by the way? Chris mentioned it earlier. There was that, that term.
2: Manifest Destiny. Correct, He's yeah. He's big time on Manifest Destiny, that it's it's our right, it's our, you know, it, by divine intervention kind of a thing that we're going to take over this thing because we are those white Anglo-Saxon Protestants that are going to rule this whole North American I could just continent.
1: hear the, the Hulk Hogan theme song playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> right. Let me tell you something, brother, we're going to head out west. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, Pol- and Polk and, and previous administrations were making overtures to the Mexican government. We want to buy this. We want to buy it. We want to buy it, and they kept on telling them, no, 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 no. You know, and then that whole big uh, contentious thing arrives, and now Polk sends down an emissary to Mexico City to what the Mexicans thought was to negotiate the purchase of Texas. That the Texans had just won independence from <laughs> from the state of, from the state of Mexico from the Mexican government. Listen, well, my car really just broke down. Do you yeah. want to buy it?
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> you can tow it away.
2: Right. And take right. it. So, <laughs> President Polk sends this guy, this emissary, down to Mexico City. The Mexicans are thinking, oh, he's going to come down here and he's going to negotiate a price for uh, Texas. And when the guy shows up. Hulk then proclaims that he's not only the emissary to for negotiations, but he is now the uh, like the lieutenant governor of Texas. So that, hey, that's ours. You know, that's ours. And I'm not really here to negotiate over Texas. I want to buy California. And like the Mexicans are like. Holy shit, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, that, that Mind if we dance with your dates. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, there was uh, that really kind of tore it. And then on top of it, um, even with the Texans during the war, uh, the Texas War or the Texas Revolution, where exactly is that territory ending? Is it at the Rio Grande River? or a little smaller river just north of that. So there was like kind of like a no-man's land in between that both people, both sides are claiming as theirs. President Polk sends in an army detachment, and they set up uh, – they actually start to build a fort right on – right in within that territory. And that's just like, just like Age of Empires, Charlie. Right? <laughs> it's a, exactly. It's all coming full circle. stake <laughs> uh, the claim. That's just you know spit in the eye kind of a thing. That uh, you know we're here, and uh, so Polk is basically with this whole manifest destiny type of an attitude that uh, he's picking a fight with the Mexican government. That it, it, it's his hopes that you know there there's going to be a, a little skirmish, and we can. Uh, give reason for sending in additional troops and maybe it'll be a couple little small skirmishes back and forth across the Rio Grande and that'll be the end of it and, and Mexico is going to um, just, you know, throw in the towel and then uh, call it a day and give up give up Texas and then we can in still, a weird way. On, still go on and negotiate with Texas uh, <laughs> about California. But It's weird because it, it
1: kind of worked out that way. Um, now, I appreciate it and I'm, I know what a terrible assignment that was to ask you to in 10 minutes or less, give us yeah, a realization. Give me, couple of,
2: give me, give me yeah. 150 years of history. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then we then we booze you up, and then we bring in two blasts from the past. Right? <laughs> okay, so you're, you're, you're
2: shell-shocked right, right. now, sir. Right. Um, but, so uh, anyhow, to lead up to you, <laughs> all right, we now have U.S. Army troops on the border with on the Rio Grande. Pre-declaration of war, very Pre-declaration of very war, right? War has not yet been declared, but – they're looking to pick a fight. They're looking for a reason to declare war, because then we can go in guns blazing and, and just just take this shit.
3: And everyone on the border knows
2: it, right? All right, and you it, kick dirt on our side, we're coming for you. Right? If you're not gonna, if you don't want to sell it, shit, we're just going to take it. You know. Um, Chris Soravolo, one of our assistant scout masters, tells a great story about being on a on a mountain bike trail with one of his buddies, and they're sitting there on the trail and. This really expensive guy, a uh, mountain bike guy comes along with this, you know, couple of thousand dollar worth of mountain bike back in the way. And it's, hey, nice bike. I want it. <laughs> 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 so, here you're out in the middle of the woods and with, you know, three of these big hulky guys. Nice bike, dude. I want it. And everybody's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, really.
0: Deliverance is what came to mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: so
1: um, that one's wild here. Uh, so we've kind of set the, the the place, if you will, for the, the story today. Now, um, the loser. Uh, I think everybody's going to figure out where we're going with this eventually. But we're going to use John Riley as our uh, our eyes, if you will, for this one, um, as we covered in uh, other episodes in great detail. Uh, the Irish Potato Famine, also known as the uh, the Great Hunger. Uh, was decimating the Irish population, and then combine you that with uh, centuries of the oppression from the English or whatever. Which my buddy Anthony Cianci always gets pissed up. We get it, Burke. The Irish were oppressed. <laughs> <laughs> but what does he know? He's a dumb guinea. So uh, <laughs> aren't we all? That's a oh, so uh, apparently uh, Ancestry.com has confirmed you guys are hanging out with uh, Captain Ireland here at this table. <laughs>
4: <That's
1: right. laughs> so surprise. surprise. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> But uh, now many of the – this mass exodus is happening over Ireland. Many of them choose to immigrate to the United States. As we kind of talked about so far, uh, in earlier episodes, we talked about Thomas Francis Maher who comes over here and just the adopted land of America is the big theme with them. That's what all of the Irish music you had us listening to on camping (laughs) trips was all about. It was come here. We're all Americans now. Let's do the American thing.
3: The Um, Irish-American dream. Yeah. And
1: uh, (laughs) unfortunately – so – this guy comes over, Mr. John Riley, he's going to come over, uh, pre-war with Mexico, which by the way, the war with Mexico, uh, what was it? A, a, a year and nine months, you said?
2: Yeah, that, that was the total time yeah. duration for that. When war was finally declared and, and then the, uh, the settlement, if you will. Yeah,
1: they've uh, that we've had wait periods in between seasons of Game of Thrones that were longer than the actual war
2: with right, Mexico. Right, right. So, but it did go longer than 48. what President Polk was originally anticipating. But uh, <laughs> that's an- that's another story. We'll yeah, I'll have get you bo- into later. You boys will
1: be back by the All Star break. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's right.
2: We'll be home by Christmas. <laughs>
1: so, uh, born in Ireland, originally named as we said, Sean with which uh, it, it, the old school Irish names, I mean, you understand why they had to be changed, right? There's like nine G's, four H's, and every vowel is used. Yeah, in and every language, other,
2: every other, uh, you don't pronounce every other letter, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do forget the accents. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, speaking of the accents, uh, Dad, there was a quote you used to say, too, about uh, how when people try to do an Irish accent, then accidentally become Scottish. What was the rolling of the R's?
2: Uh, it's very easy to talk with a All you have to do is roll your R's and stretch your A's. But if you roll your eyes and stretch your ears too much, you're near your squat.
1: For those at home,
2: uh, <laughs> nostalgia wave.
1: <laughs> I've told you guys it was um it, it's a beautiful accent until you've been yelled at in it by the girl you're dating. And then it changes. So <laughs> That's right. Um that that's where my uh my Mia culpa was. Um now uh these guys, uh, so Riley comes over and uh, he's a soldier and he actually serves in the British Army originally, makes his way into Canada. So when we think of the Irish coming into America, we think of them coming through, um, you know, Ellis Island wasn't really the, the center yet. So they're coming, literally landing on the docks in New York. Right. All right. The old. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh,
2: Primarily Boston, New
1: York. Yeah. Charleston and. Um Well, New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, so there is a Gangs of New York vibe to a lot of it. Right, absolutely. But uh, our boy this week, John Riley, comes in through Michigan. And uh, what do we know about them over in Michigan, Kahuna? They're very polite. (laughs) And he's coming down from Canada, and he's just sitting there. A guy named John Riley (laughs) crossing the Canadian border to come into Michigan. Sounds like he's probably going to wind up playing for the Detroit Red Wings. (laughs) That's really where we're heading at this time. But um, he shows up, and – he now immediately joins the United States Army. OK, so he's now serving for them. Well,
2: he's got a skill set.
1: Yeah, it's a, a very particular set of skills. <laughs> so, um, more on him later, actually. Oddly, Liam Neeson comes into this story a little bit. Um, so he pops in. And uh, Riley's a soldier. He's a damn good one, too. This is exactly what he does. Um, he originally served in the British Army, like we said, but now he's distinguishes himself almost immediately in the U.S. Army as a, a fine soldier. The uh, standing U.S. Army at the time held uh, very few, if at all, Catholic officers. OK. And Riley was not an officer, but he was a non-commissioned officer. Now, I – said did, he was a sergeant? He was a sergeant, yeah. Uh, now, there's a weird thing with his rank, too, that you'll uh, correct us on later uh, as we get to. But – um, just to really quickly break it down uh charlie you went to college right yeah okay chris you went to college right yeah see uh and you um, went
3: for two months yep
1: <laughs> uh now what did i do i wound up joining the navy instead which is hilarious because uh there i served as a non-commissioned officer i was uh an e5 uh, uh Second class petty officer in the United States Navy. So that is roughly what uh, uh, Mr. John Riley would have been. Okay, so he wound up serving as a sergeant. And they said he was so damn good at his job, they actually debated giving him a commission. So the idea of a Irish Catholic, a foreign born and Catholic. And by the way, like you hear Catholic nowadays, kahuna, we think it's like, you know, like I, I grew up going to like bar mitzvahs and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like you don't think twice about it. But back in the day, uh, the Protestant, you know, they would sit there and they would look at uh, the Catholics and be like, well, he seems like a good guy, but they. They worship that wizard in the pointy hat who lives <laughs> right. in the, the white castle over in Rome. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. He, he, there, was, there was certainly a fear that uh, anybody that was of uh, a Catholic faith was going to be directed by the pope, that, you know, they weren't going to have any allegiance to. Well, that fear lasted all the way through Kennedy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Kennedy was our first uh, Irish Catholic president.
1: True story, by the way. Kennedy, when he first met the pope as president, uh, had to shake his hand because the fear was that he would kiss the ring. Hmm. And then we would fall under the witchery of the Saruman Pope. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so pretty interesting here. Uh, Now, this guy's making a name for himself. John Riley's kicking ass as a soldier. In fact, uh, I, I couldn't confirm this. I always want two sources before I go with a fact. But um, one source gave me some pretty good intel that he actually served at West Point where we went camping a bunch of times mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as a, a drill sergeant uh, for some – that's always a weird position where you're the non-commissioned officer in charge of the future officers. So mm-hmm. my friends will give me some shits. Uh, they'll be like, hey, you don't watch the uh, the Army-Navy game? I was like, yeah, I don't want to watch a, a bunch of my future bosses. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't really care who wins that one. <laughs> But uh, so Riley's got a, a he's got himself a career. Is that fair to say, Deb?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's good at what he what he does. And, uh, you know, opportunities again, uh, you're coming out of Ireland. The reason you joined the British Army in the first place, because there was no other opportunities to keep yourself and your family from starving. So he joins the British Army, gets trained within the British Army as an artilleryman, goes, sees various countries around the world ends up in Canada with the British Army but then gets out of the British Army while he's in Canada comes into Michigan comes into the United States he's now no longer in the British Army but he's not a U.S. citizen, nor is he a, a British citizen at this particular point. He's he's an Irish. He's a citizen of Ireland, but he's uh, essentially a mercenary. He's right, a mercenary. <laughs> He's a mercenary. So um, he he joins up with the uh, U.S. Army. Now, there were promises being made to immigrants um, coming into the United States at the time that if you served, that. They would make you a U.S. citizen, which is a pretty good a pretty good deal.
5: But, it sounded like they were signing them up basically as soon as
2: they got off the boat. Right. I mean, there's <laughs> That's a scene – exactly what it was. <laughs> there's a scene in the gangs in New York hey, where you they're literally – they're coming you're over rats. the.
0: You're in the. You're in the army.
2: They're coming down the gangplank off the ships, and they're signing up with the uh, with the uh, army right there. That you know, hey, shit, I've been starving back home.
3: You want a hot uh, plate of food, and yeah. you want to and now sleep.
2: you're offering me. Well, during the Civil War, you're offering me a three hundred dollar signing bonus, plus you get a nice wool uniform and a, and three hots and a cot. Uh, that that sounds pretty decent, you know. I
1: it's, like this deal. And are the yeah. Irish known for being good at fighting? Would you say uh, there there
2: Each is. Other? A a, a stereotypical <laughs> – there is a stereotype uh, image that the Irish are, are fighters. But,
1: uh. Well, um, Riley's also got a little bit of a hothead here. Uh, so his Irish temper on display now as well. Um, he is uh, said to have the respect of uh, uh, all of his men pretty much. They, they like him. Uh, now, it's a weird thing too because he's also admired by the officers. So Riley's fate with destiny, unfortunately, begins when he arrives near the Mexican border in 1846. Mm -hmm. So shit's about to pop off. It's a good time to be showing up down there. Um, Many of the enlisted men under his command are Irish Catholics, and they're kind of proud to have an Irish Catholic as their sergeant, if you will.
2: Which is far and few between because the the Irish Catholic or the Catholic was not going to be promoted at all, that uh, it was a... Um, Protestant-controlled hierarchy, if you will, just as the rest of the United States was that, you know, you have all these immigrants showing up and if you're looking for a job, there would be jobs posted. Help wanted. Irish Catholic need not apply. That uh, don't even bother asking for for a job because if you're an Irish Catholic, we're not we're not, we're not hiring. It's, but you're, it's, you're, you're it's the sad, but you. Uh, they were right. This was a
1: huge mistake. Um, <laughs> right. <That's>
4: right.
1: <laughs> so uh, now Riley's on the Mexican border here. He's leading his men, but they're they're starting to face a little bit of uh, discrimination. Now, uh, it's not just for the Irish, the Irish in particular, but also Catholics in general are uh, are facing kind of
2: there's there's uh, German immigrants, there's French immigrants, there's Italian immigrants that, you know, if you're again um, swearing any kind of allegiance to the guy in Rome um, with the Catholic faith that uh, you're going to be a second class citizen for the for the remainder of your days.
1: Now, also um, now the Irish, uh, known to have a drink or two, um, they uh, they're also big fans of this uh, drink called whiskey, which we're imbibing right now. Um,
2: That's quite nice. Yeah, just as it, a,
1: it is very nice. Thank you again, Charlie.
2: Just as a tribute <laughs> to our, our heritage,
1: <laughs> and uh, and my father's drinking a, a Schmiedix. So, no um, well, whiskey with a Schmittix
2: chaser, but <laughs>
1: it is what it is. But um, so these guys are. Um, They're down on the Mexican border. Things are about to go crazy. But they're starting to crack underneath um, a little bit of the pressure and the discrimination that they're starting to face for being Catholics. So Riley's only major flaw, they said, this is like Achilles' heel. Otherwise, this is Captain America. Um, He is not capable of uh, taking discipline. He can enforce it, but he can't take it. And someone comes down on him, and the rumors are wild, too. We don't exactly know uh, what the actual uh, infraction was. But they come down on him. And uh, he gets uh, reprimanded. And he's so. There's just something of a. Uh, Larry used to say this all to me. Like, growing up as a kid, we knew we were in trouble if uh, we heard the following phrase. And my mother on the couch in the back here will uh, vouch for me. You want to see an Irish temper? I'll show you an Irish temper. <laughs> and Carrie and I, my sister, would just say, all right, well, uh, time to lock the doors. Uh, it'll take him at least a minute to get through the door and we could be out the window and on our way to grandma's by then. <laughs> but uh, he's got a little bit of an Irish temper, Riley, and he gets reprimanded. He walks up to his uh, commanding officer, requests a pass. You need a pass in the military to uh, to you know go out in town, if you will. Uh, they grant him a pass, and the uh, idea is that the pass is going to be so he can attend mass.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a key point now, too, Huge. because at that particular time, uh, nearly half of the army is uh, Catholic immigrants. Hmm. And yet there were no Catholic chaplains. There were no Catholic chaplains in the in the U.S. Army at that particular point in time. And to throw salt in the wound even further, I mean, back home in Ireland— um, there were, um, Irish tenant farmers that would have to pay a tithing or a, a tax to the Protestant church. So even you, even though you did not attend that particular church, you were still being taxed in support of the church that you didn't go to. And now you're coming over to America and you're being dealt the same More hostilities, the same with the, the term and, but, but to make it even worse. I'm, an Irish, I'm a Catholic. I want to go to Catholic services. But you weren't allowed to go to Catholic services. You had to go to the Protestant services because that was the official uh, religion, if you will, of the U.S. Army. So you would have to go to a Protestant service on Sunday, like it or not. That was mandated. So <laughs> that's, it's, that's really like just really going head to head on that. So... Um, Now, here you are. You're on the border of Mexico. You're along the Rio Grande. You can hear church bells on the other side of the river sounding, calling people to to mass, although you might not be able to speak the Spanish language. You can at least... It's all in Latin anyway. It's all in in Latin anyhow. So you've heard it before. Um, And, you know, there were passes that were granted so that you could... If you're if you're the officer of the day or the officer in charge of you at the time would grant the pass that you could leave the post and go to the local church to uh to, to go to mass kind of a thing.
1: That's a, and what a what a tough assignment to take on too. You got to sit there and say, well, uh, the army's not going to provide us with a, a Catholic priest to deliver mass, so. I guess we'll go into town in Mexico and hang out with all the Catholic girls.
2: Yeah, the they're pretty they're pretty Catholic <laughs> girls. In, I guess.
1: Uh, I guess. <laughs>
2: it's a big hardship. And, and uh, if you play it right, there might be even an opportunity to come home after Mass by uh, you know some mysterious way. Maybe a bottle of mezcal might come into your, your backpack on the way home. So, uh, Are you even drinking? Yeah, communion. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, right. It was really good communion. Yeah,
1: they even drink at church. Right, that
2: sacramental wine is... Really back up twice yeah <laughs> that's right so uh, seconds or thirds
1: now stuff's going wild over here but riley uh takes this pass to quote attend mass never serves another minute in the united states army okay he is gone he's never coming back kahuna the u.s has just lost a respected and capable general i'm sorry a sergeant rather and uh <laughs> big difference well it winds up uh it's almost a, a weird thing too because uh uh, the word I stumbled on was a uh, generalissimo, which mm. is what uh, Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana is. Uh, this guy, wildlife, like my father was saying earlier, in and out of power 11 different times, uh, captured and brought to, um, I think, New Orleans is where he had an audience with Andrew Jackson. Uh, so now another U.S. president is kind of bullying him around a little bit. Uh, and he goes. Uh, he doesn't know what he's going to do this time. He Goes, man. Uh, last time when I was messing around with Texas, uh, these crazy, you know, white guys came over. These crazy American dudes, and they kicked the shit out of us. And now one of those same wild American dudes is going to help kick ass for him.
2: Right. So, well. Santa Ana is really not the president of Mexico just yet. There's another guy. Santa Ana is cool on his heels in Cuba because he was exiled to Cuba at the time. He winds up coming back to lead but the army. He's, he's back and forth. Right. Santa Ana He really
3: is, is the Napoleon of Mexico. He's, <laughs> he's, a, he's
2: a fascination because uh, any guy that can get into office uh, – over a span of thirty-six years, you know, eleven different times, uh, he, he's a weather vane. Whichever mm-hmm. way the wind is blowing, he—that he's—he's the guy.
1: I picture the U.S. dealing with him the way that uh, Jerry uh, on Seinfeld deals with Newman. <laughs> that whenever they Santa Anna. Mm. <laughs> is there anything good about Newman? That's
2: a no, <laughs> no, there's less. <laughs> This is all before the war, I think, right? Yeah, the war, hasn't, the key. war has that not been declared yet. Here, so, right. you know, uh, John Riley pulls the skedaddle uh, with the pass and doesn't come back. So
1: He takes some boys with so him. So he's too.
2: AWOL or whatever. But How uh, many boys does he take with him?
1: Uh those numbers are in flux because there's people that have already deserted the kind of uh mm-hmm. this is gonna be tough to say here after we've been drinking.
2: Rally around Riley. Hey, I got it. Um First try. <laughs> yeah, and, and and on top of that too, the Mexican government, once these US troops are on the border, I mean people, you know, they're not stupid. They can realize that bad shit's happening. Bad shit's coming, you know. And they're sending over pamphlets, uh leaflets. To the American troops, they're being smuggled in so that all these guys on the border are there with these uh, leaflets that were printed up by the by the Mexican government saying that if you guys come over, you're not going to be. Working for the, you know, the Protestant uh, um, land grabbers. We're all Catholic here, right? We're all Catholic over here. We're going to give you um, um, land if you if you come over to, to our side, kind of a thing. That we'll give you property and uh, um, you know give you. And they a said we want
1: peaceful and, citizens. That was the key. Right. We're looking for peaceful,
2: peaceful citizens. peaceful citizens to come help uh, help settle the, the you know the. the unknown territories, if you will, of Mexico. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying... And a lot of these immigrants that are in the U.S. Army, they've been in the, the U.S. for less than a year. So, I mean, hey, you know, I'm, I'm being harassed and punished and and uh, flogged and all kinds of really cruel punishments being served on me because, simply because I'm a Catholic by the, by the U.S. Army officers. And yet, these other people are saying come on over to our side' we'll, you know we're gonna treat you right you're you're the same religion the same faith uh, it sounds like a pretty good deal and you know how much allegiance are you going to form for the United States in less than a year's time when the only thing you've <laughs> dealt with is degradation and, and punishment honestly know? reading this I kind of felt the
5: same way right. like I might have made the same decision that they did
3: you right
1: know? right I hate to tell you I know I would have yeah <laughs> well
3: and also this time the United States wasn't like a world power House. No, it wasn't nope. it wasn't the the shining beacon that it that it became you know post world war one world war two you know in mexico we're kind of on the same level right as far as, far as of, you know government control and sort of what you're absolutely what you're going for
2: there's still a worldwide land grab going on here that spain france great britain russia they're all they're all looking to we're less than a
1: hundred years can. after the revolution by right the way. that that's a key factor as well. and then also um there's a big thing with city states uh city-states in Greece kind of being the same way that the states are, or the colonies in uh, mm-hmm. the United States. So you have an allegiance to we're all, like we're all Packinac Lake kids, right? So if Jersey went to war and Packinac Lake declared war against Clifton, we don't have a problem with Clifton, but we're going to defend Packinac Lake. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now all of a sudden we're like, oh, we got to kill We'd everyone from Clifton, too, apparently. Right? <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's the opposite story. They brought in Mexicans, <laughs> and we're getting kicked off the air for that one. But um, so now Riley winds up uh, on the other side of. Uh, uh, well, actually, he's not truly in the military yet. He has deserted. Okay, um, but again, he's a soldier that's his skill set that's what he has to bring to the table and they realize that uh Mexico is about to wind up uh, in hostilities with the United States. And it was uh, – at first, they were sitting there. They are kind of nervous about these guys. They said, are, are we sure that these white boys are going to be OK? They, I mean they look just like the uh, invading force that's coming. Are we sure this isn't like a spy web that's coming in now ahead of time? Right. Hmm. And uh, They're
2: still foreigners. Which, to, uh, to the Mexicans, they're still foreigners. Oh, yeah.
1: It's, uh, which, by the way, uh, hilarious thing we talked about in the car ride down. Um, the only red-haired people in uh, our family uh, – and I'm adopted, by the way, everybody uh, listeners don't know that I'm adopted. I'm, I'm actually more Irish than LP, but uh, <laughs> you're German. But you have all it's funny because uh, The only redheads in our family are actually the Puerto Rican-Armenian cousins on my mother's (laughs) side. That's right. So my cousins, uh, Richard and Jonathan Pelez with their red hair, very funny look. Uh, They're handsome guys, too. They really make it look. But uh, if you had to pick out the Latinos in the family, it would not be them. (laughs) Something that I
5: read was that, like, the... The Mexicans called them Los Colorados. Yep, You Los saw Ca- that. Colorados, <laughs> yeah, Colo- and then they also
1: call them the, the Red Brigade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a bunch of redheaded guys. Right, right. <laughs> just picture just a bunch of uh, Bill Burrs just kind of coming across <laughs> the like, ah yeah, fuck this shit. What are you <laughs> get out of here? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so they're over there now, and they realize that uh, also Ireland is you know. Um, it's got its own issues with home rule going on that uh, the British are kind of bullying them.
3: Lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then,
1: right. uh, now there's this idea that, well, the United States, a bunch of guys who are also Protestant, just like, you know, and a lot of them are descendants of uh, and cousins of, if you will, the uh, the Brits that were enslaving their own people back home, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, they're starting to feel a little bit of a kinship with the Mexicans. We're like, oh, this is a tyrant here that's bullying you guys like right. the tyrant that we just fled 3,000 miles away.
2: The U.S. is the, is the Protestant tyrant that's
1: this is this is Sunni Shiite it's, it's stuff. The, these Catholics and these Muslims. Same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. Absolutely. So it's uh it's fun. There they're starting to you know there's an affinity for them too. And there's always just some. I hate to say I don't know what it is, but there is this uh, eternal attraction between uh, Irish guys and Spanish women. I don't understand what it is, but they uh, they get dumb around each other. Um, now you add all that up, you add in the whole Catholic thing, you add in the fact that uh, now. You know, the people that the army they just left is attempting to possibly invade and ruin whatever kind of paradise they're attempting to set up for themselves. You're going to have to start, you know, it's a call to arms. And uh, John Riley decides that he's going to form uh, the uh, what becomes known as the San Patricios. I saw Kahuna scrolling ahead on the uh, some of the research here that we have. And um, battalion, and that
3: is today's American loser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we we finally gotten here Wow. At, you
1: know, wow. at the fifty four minute mark. <laughs> we,
3: we finally named them.
1: So, uh, yeah, the San Patricios or the uh, Battalion de San Patricos, uh which uh, Patricios, Patricios, correct. Um, we really should have had Lynette Palladino in here to correct um, all of our pronunciations. All the pronunciations, yeah.
2: absolutely. But.
1: Anyway, um, they decide they're going to form this group. It is uh, St. Patrick's Brigade, if you will. And uh, they're going to go in there. And um, it's pretty cool because uh, uh, what I'm excited about is that uh, these guys decide that their weapon of choice, if you will, is going to be artillery. Mm-hmm. You know, that's exactly what you want to hear. We got crazy Irish dudes <laughs> firing cannons all over the place.
3: Which again, yeah, bring you back to Age of Empires is exactly how I play. All artillery. <laughs> yeah. Artillery,
2: right. Well, um, now they wind what Was it uh, What are they called? The boss of the battlefield or king of the battlefield? <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, the desertion of the men was concerning for the Americans. But now General Taylor finds out the idea that he's now going to possibly face some of his own former men. Literally, the Mexican army reports, the field reports that uh, they they still kept, uh, you know, for historical purposes, will all say that the most badass unit in the Mexican army at this time is the San Patricios. So they get mistaken for all Irish. They were not. They were also, like you said, Dad, German, French Catholics, um, some escaped uh, slaves that got across the river, didn't want to go back. So and it's crazier. And they're wearing uh, it's Irish. Uh, uh, mostly Irish, I should say. Uh, heavy Irish. Uh, it's
2: predominantly percentual.
1: Irish. Making up this San Patricio, wearing Mexican Army regalia, which is based off Spanish kind of fashion with a little bit of French, and it's a weird time. Right. You want to talk about cultural appropriation, Kahuna? This is <laughs> this is it. <laughs> they might as well have been you know freaking break dancing at right. each other in a subway
2: stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think too, Kevin, we got to point out that it's more than just John Riley right now making up this Irish Brigade because there was a, a huge amount of desertions going on. Um, there's some estimates that was like 700, 700 guys left the U.S. Army to go across the, you know, go across the river and, and now join up with the with the Mexicans. So when you have a relatively small army and 700 of your guys are now jumping across the river, that's a cause for concern to the point where um, President Polk hears of this. And now finally he um has a a meeting with uh, Archbishop John Hughes, which was the first American. Uh, he was Archbishop. the uh, scoutmaster of Troop Twenty Five in <laughs> Bayonne. <at> <laughs> Different John Hughes, but yeah, uh, a very famous uh, you know Irish Catholic or Irish American Catholic uh, out of New York City. But uh, he finally Pope finally makes arrangements that they were going to send in two. Um, Catholic chaplains. That were the first two Catholic chaplains to serve in the U.S. Army. Hmm. Uh, happened to be Jesuits, um, and one of them was actually killed in the uh, in the hostilities later on. But. Uh, Polk really didn't do it out of uh, out of the kindness of his heart. He just didn't want the rest of the world fix, to think, the pro- fix the problem. That, that you're right that the that the Protestants, you know, the U.S. Protestants are now invading Catholic Mexico. That, and we got all these people that are jumping ship. We gotta we gotta fix that shit. Yeah, so don't let the wizard know. We gotta <laughs> we gotta at least give them a chaplain so that they can, you know, have their uh, their various wizardry and, and chants and all that. Hocus pocus of the of the Catholic faith. So Riley's really good at, at training men. By the way, we covered
1: that earlier. Especially with his time at West Point, he has the respect of the men too, because um, he was making it in the uh, the U.S. Army, if you will. Which is, uh, you know, they were kind of holding the uh, the Catholics down a little bit, and this guy's just that damn good that uh, you have to kind of respect him. But. He starts training with the San Patricios into a highly effective crack gun crew, all right? So these guys, they're not messing around with the artillery. They know exactly what they're doing. And this is actually one of the very few advantages the Mexican Army has.
2: Yeah, and the Mexican Army, too, they're looking – they're made up primarily not of volunteers. The U.S. Army at the time were volunteers Mm -hmm. for the most part. Which
1: is why desertion wasn't really the most awful crime.
2: Right, and then – you know the Mexicans were looking for conscripts. I mean, they were taking some of the native Indians, and, and you know, you're going to be cannon fodder. We're going to put you in the infantry, and you know, if we blow the shit out of you, who cares? Because you're really not Mexican; you're you're natives. Um, there was there was a lot there was a lot of that. So, you know, the Mexican army was not so much, and it was made up predominantly of, of conscripts. And you know, the the Mexican government was. Uh, was all screwed up besides, too, so there really isn't a we have kind to, of a
1: support staff <laughs> on the home front. I I was not going to mention it, but Kahuna brought it up while you were talking that <laughs> it is the most perfect thing in line with what you were saying in the South Park movie. <laughs> in the South Park movie. Oh, uh, there another In the South reference.
0: Park movie. Yeah. We dude. would
1: not have brought it up. But Kahuna, go ahead. Your moment to shine, No,
0: baby. it's okay. You can explain it. I can't. Like, the words <laughs> so, will just start jumbling and it's going to be awful. But, like, the um, minute he said it, I was like, hey, wait a minute. And that reminds me of a scene in the South Park. It is a tried and true <laughs> battlefield technique.
1: <laughs> when you said cannon fodder, Kahuna immediately lit up. And this is the behind-the-scenes magic he provides. Uh, is
2: this the jaw drop moment for the kahuna? <laughs> no, no. This is no. your
1: jaw drop moment okay. because of kahuna. So right. um, he brought it up uh, in the, the South Park movie right before they invade Canada because uh, the U.S. is going to invade Canada right, in right. the movie. Um, they're having a big strategy meeting. They said, uh, OK, so uh, it's called uh, – it, there's the black troops and then there's all the white troops around them. And then they say uh, the general goes, uh, "All right, so this is uh, Operation Human Shield," <laughs> <laughs> and literally their their orders are, "Get behind the
3: darkies." <laughs>
1: oh my god! And chef goes,
3: "This oh, is oh.
0: bullshit." <laughs> he goes, "Hey, wait a minute!" <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god! Uh. Well, chef was big. He's got a. He's a big shield. So.
0: Oh man!
2: Isaac Hayes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, somehow we're gonna get back on track. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Um, so now uh, they wind up becoming – this is their thing. They're going to be a great artillery crew. This is one of the more sophisticated parts of the offense for the Mexican Army. They're starting to feel like when hostilities do finally you know, come to a uh, head, if you will, that they might stand a chance. So they're pretty excited here. Um, now, unfortunately, uh, the legacy of the San Patricios is – I mean they are – if you look at them as a defensive unit, they're almost like the the, the Giants with Lawrence Taylor. Where it's like there's no way this shit should have worked. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, their first major battle is in the defense of Monterey. OK. Now, uh, Monterey is no stranger to warfare. Um, but uh, American losses. Now, this is the part where it gets weird because you start reading these things. And you realize these are Americans who are m- deserted that are Mexicans now. But – are fighting Americans. It's very, it's weird to keep track. If you
3: look up battles, as I do frequently on Wikipedia, <laughs> and you, you see the two columns of, like, losses and belligerence yeah. and, like, whose flag is whose, and you're like, oh, well, there there's an Irish flag there, and then there's an Italian flag over there, and there's a, an American flag there? Like, what's <laughs> happening here?
1: It's, it gets goofy fast. Um, so in the defense of Monterey, uh, like we said, American losses are, are very heavy that day. And when we say American losses, we mean uh, the San Patricios are inflicting heavy losses on the American army. Okay.
3: Now, is this the one where the, um, the Americans, like walked in, saw the San Patricios and didn't realize that they were not on their side.
1: Right. There's a lot of other goofy shit with that too. Um, cause other parts when they do finally recognize them, uh, cause like, all right, there's a couple of battles that happened to San Patricios. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes these guys get literally uh, almost like hand to hand combat, but then also being a soldier is a job at the time. So it's not like uh, Al Qaeda versus, you know, the U S army Rangers where it's kill everything it moves, you know? So uh, when you have an organized surrender, and the Mexican flag is flying and the US flag is flying, you actually have to respect the enemy combatant. So it's almost like a forced handshake at the end of a baseball game when they're walking past <laughs> each other. Right. Good, good, game,
3: game, good game, good game, good game. game, good piece game. Of shit,
1: piece of shit, piece of shit. Um,
3: Gotta lick your palm and then yeah. give high five. Fuck you, we,
4: uh,
1: <laughs> we got into it once, uh, the Wayne Valley lacrosse team. We I, I'll never forget it. It was the only fight um, that that team ever got in, really, but it was uh, it was during the end of the game handshake. When somebody said something, all of a sudden we were just, you know. Just we, didn't. Oh,
4: <laughs> fuck
1: <this. laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it was weird, but um, this uh, defense of Monterey, it was a, a fiery cannon battle here, um, and it lasts for three days. And the Patricios, I mean, they are doing work. They're able to kind of hold their own. And because they're able to orchestrate a, uh, a retreat for you know the Mexican army, them holding the ground, if you will, is what allows them to fight another day. Mm. So it's a huge moment for that. Now, the weird thing, though, is that uh, – uh, like we said, American losses are very heavy that day, and they're getting now handed out by their former fellow soldiers. So the the line one man's hero is another man's traitor, which uh, w- that comes into fruition a little bit later. But it's a three day battle for Monterey, and when it falls, the San Patricios uh, retreat march. But as they're marching, they're marching past the guys they just were you know in the same camp with maybe a couple of weeks, depending on who. Yeah. They were. I mean, oh hey, there's Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Dude, that guy owes me $20, 20 pesos now. You understand? (laughs) Um, um,
2: Zach Taylor is the uh, U.S. – Zachary Taylor is the U.S. general that's fighting or leading the whole attack on on Monterey. And um, although it goes down as a U.S. victory in Monterey, it wasn't a a total – unconditional surrender it was an armistice was declared for like two months so all the guys that were remaining in monterey all the mexicans that were in the san patricio's being part of the mexican army were allowed to leave with their weapons and you know zachary taylor was criticized over that heavily that how could you let these guys just go leave and and fight another day kind of a thing but uh um, as they're leaving, you know, as they're leaving with their arms and everything else, they're marching past the U.S. troops that these guys used to be, you know, buddies with, uh, taking mess with, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, that was a, a little, uh, a little different than. And what we might think of as mo- again in modern day times that wait you just you call an armistice it's like a timeout and everybody goes to neutral I, corners. I read times. that and I said
1: they covered the spread. So
2: yeah, but the San Patricios just kicked the shit out of uh, a lot of their former um, comrades, and if you will, um, with canister shot and everything else that. Basically canister shot is a taking a cannon and loading it up with uh, as a shot as a shotgun and you're just blowing huge swaths, the the the, the pink mist is what's left.
1: <laughs> so. And they would go they would alternate back into grape shot, which you guys know about grape shot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So grape shot essentially kahuna, just so you know, is a cannon that fires like a shotgun. It ain't, good, all right? yeah. it ain't good. It ain't good. It
2: makes big it's, holes in your lungs. Yeah. <laughs> but, um,
0: Isn't that what took out one of our loser's legs? Or is that something? Am I thinking it's? something? Uh, it would, no, yes. you're right. Dan yeah. Sickles.
2: Yes. Dan Sickles. Good
1: That's eye, Look at you, brother. Um, so now the that – uh, is the best. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm the first listener, man. <laughs> That's <Something else. laughs> right. Gives me shit. I don't listen. Man – I'm I'm the one recording it. Of course, I listen. <laughs> On every episode
1: he's produced for us, though, uh, if he tells us he goes, "Damn, that was a good one." Those inevitably wind up being the episodes with the oh. highest numbers. So, he's <laughs> in my, here for success. My favorite
5: oh. recent segment is when he casts. Oh, oh you're oh, in for I, a treat! I, this I go, one. He,
1: he just tags me. He goes, "I'm preparing my segment." I said, "Oh boy." <laughs>
5: <laughs> I really liked Oscar Isaac. As Nikola Tesla. Thank you. Yeah.
0: I
1: still think that one's I my best one.
5: Yeah, we're, we're calibrated on
0: that. What about Dave Chappelle as the last guy for my first <laughs> one?
5: Oscar Isaac was the better.
1: <laughs> well, uh, now the next battle here, because we got to get to that segment, unfortunately. Um, yeah. The, uh, the Battle of Buena Tomorrow, Vista um, again sees the uh, – by the way, what does Buena Vista mean, Dad? You said this earlier. Uh, beautiful view. Yeah. So uh, what a beautiful view to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, Matanzas Bay, which is down in Florida. I always find this so funny. Uh, beautiful Matanzas Bay where people um, take pictures and go on vacations and have picnics. Massacre Bay. That's what that means. That's where you got engaged, right? Also true. Um, <laughs> the Castillo de Is that San where you bought
3: the house or is that where you
4: – oh, a, no. They,
1: they buried some people's hearts at Wounded Knee. They buried mine in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Um, But yeah, the Battle of Buena Vista is now the next action for uh, the San Patricios. Riley's uh, guns are in action again. And uh, this time, oddly, it's an artillery duel, which is wild. So it's between the San Patricios and their Union counterpart under the command of Lieutenant John Paul Jones O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah, so when you're named Another after, Mick for sure. But he's named after John Paul Jones, the, the father of the U.S. Navy. That's OK. It. So you're named after an American hero. That's like – imagine a guy named Hulk Hogan O'Brien. It's coming down. <laughs> so uh, – but he's, an, he's named after an American hero, but he's still an Irishman. So this is funny to me because now there's two Irishmen firing cannons at each other to solve a land dispute between America and Mexico. But to them, it's still Protestant Catholic.
0: Why right? can't we yep. be friends?
1: <laughs> 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 can't we all just get along?
0: I, I was it's say one of those things where if, I,
3: if a courier just sent a letter saying, hey, by the way, it's it's me on the other side. <laughs> right? Hey,
0: you know, I can try –
3: 25% less. <laughs> Dude, it, it
2: really
0: is wild. <laughs> yeah. Watch your shot, O'Brien! That's interesting, <laughs> Sorry, Chris, Mickey. too,
2: because there was criticism of Polk that you know all of this didn't really have to happen, that they could have negotiated this and probably ended up buying whatever the heck they were looking for rather than sending in the troops. But uh, again, that whole manifest destiny attitude was taken over and, and you know, Hulk was a, a war hawk, if you will. He feels a little like Trump is running the country yeah. at this point.
1: Same hair yeah. if you look at it. <laughs> if you
4: see
3: the picture, it's close.
1: <laughs> so uh, now this uh, this funny thing's going on here between uh, O'Brien and uh, Riley, the two uh, the two cannoneers, if you will, are going back and forth at each other. And uh, O'Brien refers to his guns as his bulldogs, and they're they're in the thick of it, man. They the they're really trying to hold their own against the San Patricios. They can't show that they're intimidated. It's kind of a weird back and forth. The tide of the battle is uh, is literally going almost exclusively San Patricio's way uh, until the tide of the battle is uh, changed when the Mexican forces start to get routed by Zachary Taylor, a future president of hey. the United States. Um, and he is uh, – he has a horse, by the way, named uh, – you want to guess what his horse's name was, Chris or Charlie? If any of you guys know this, would be <laughs> hilarious. Mr. Ed. Uh, you're going to wish it was Mr. Ed in a minute. <laughs> Old Whitey
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. did not age well. <laughs>
1: no. So, uh, Old Whitey uh, orders the attack. Uh, well, Old
3: Whitey didn't order the attack. It's Uncle I Uncle like Russ. Of... Hey, no, if the horse ordered the, no,
0: you're no, right.
3: no, I'm, no. I'm sorry. Continue.
1: Old <laughs> Whitey, it sounds
0: like what other Uncle ideas Ruckus does he have? I don't know. He thinks
1: we should all have some sugar cubes and talk this out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he orders a Mexican war hero, but Civil War buffoon. Braxton Bragg into action a southern
2: boy Braxton Bragg he's he's a US officer at the time at the time (laughs) in Mexico I mean that was another thing too that this Mexican war was a precursor to the Civil War in this country, they're and all fighting on one team. A lot of these guys are, are cutting their teeth with uh, with the war with Mexico and making a name for themselves. We so. still have
3: Fort Bragg, which is a major right, military right. installation.
2: This
1: attacker. is like a uh, well, good point too, man. I, I also think of it this way: it's like uh, for for those who like my dumb Giants references, it's like when Go Parcells. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when Parcells had Belichick as his defensive coordinator, and then they kind of split, and then the Giants and the Patriots have always kind of looked over each other's shoulders ever since, but. Um, All of the generals that are going to wind up going up against each other in the Civil War are on the same side right now uh, trying Mm -hmm. to beat up these damn San Patricios. (laughs) So I thought this was interesting here. The attack by Bragg saves the day uh, for the Union. And uh, although the San Patricios in their retreat – this is how you – we talked about this a little bit too where yes, they're sounding retreat and they're uh, protecting a retreat. But they're also uh,
3: – Yeah, those were the it, rear guard yeah. in right. It's
1: not a bad day when during your retreat you happen to come away with two American cannons. They stole two of O'Brien's, quote, bulldogs. Right, they captured
2: <laughs> the, the two barking bulldogs yeah. as, a, as the term was. Yeah,
1: that's not a – that's a good – that's a good walk of shame back to your apartment. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's a good... Sure.
3: Artillery's a good distance away. Right. If, if you can hey. get over there, grab it, hook up a horse, drag it over. Dude, that's, where's that's my not, cannons? That's <laughs> not, <laughs> where's <laughs> my
2: car?
1: Where's my Coon is on fire this episode. <laughs> uh, now, that's a great thing. Now, also, it, all, it proves to be a massive insult, unfortunately, too, that this pisses off the Americans a little bit. They're like...
2: Oh, hey, for an artilleryman to go. lose your peace, that was like... the. the a walk of shame, uh, exa- you know, multiplied big time. The last
3: you gave them a nickname, yeah, the, and you lost them, right? Right, <laughs> right, right,
2: right. You call them your bulldogs, your barking bulldogs, and then you don't have many more. More
1: of chihuahuas now, you understand, senor? <laughs> uh, so that actually proves In fairness.
3: To me. My barks like hell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's why the the, the Cheweenies are allowed to be uh, mean. They're still allowed to be the the ancestor of the wolf because uh, they can't hurt anybody. So it's kind of funny when they try to kill them. <laughs> um, but uh, my bulldog back at the house, if he bit anybody, we'd be like, all right, you're, it's your house now. Ed. Okay. <laughs> you tell us. Um, unfortunately, that uh, that little incident where they wind up coming away with the cannon proves to be the high water mark for the uh, the Red Brigade, if you will. Um, their next battle would take place at. Uh, I'm going to screw up the pronunciation so bad. And there's no Holland back here to message me to tell me the right way to say it. Churubusco? You got it. Yeah, sure. Which is Spanish for land of illegal fireworks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> during a thunderous firefight, Riley and his men hold off advancing swarms of U.S. troops, inflicting massive casualties. Nearly 200 dead, over 800 wounded. Now, this is kind of the funniest part of the whole story here. Chris, uh, you ever have a boss you hate? You know, he laughed. Not really, actually. Oh. You picked a field you like. That's why. Now I've had a yeah. couple bosses I've hated. I've <laughs> I've gotten lucky. Cahuna's not allowed to say if he has any bosses.
0: <laughs> <either>. <laughs> He's still on the payroll in
1: his previous life. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. And uh, yes, in a previous you, life
0: yeah, I've probably. had a few bosses I can't fucking yeah. stand.
1: <laughs> so you guys know the feeling where. Um, If you can take something out on your old boss, sometimes it feels pretty good. Mm -hmm. I I had a couple opportunities to do that, and I hate to say it. I know that I would have been right alongside the San Patricios if during that march they were specifically aiming their guns at officers that had done them wrong during Mm -hmm. their time in the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. So it's all I want to know is who's coming with me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, during this battle, which it's starting to show pretty quickly. That the Mexican army is outflanked, and uh, they are ordered by Santa Ana to hold this convent, which
3: is not the San Patricio's fault.
1: Yes, that's right. Overall, just
4: There's the Mexican still a, army. Yeah, they're star right.
1: defense with no offense. That's how I look at
2: it. The inept Mexican army and its leadership is—I uh, mean, they keep they keep retreating, retreating, retreating. When you know, if had they been under different leadership, they probably could have won the the, mm. the tide of the battle. Well, uh, there's also a weird
1: note to go out on, uh, too, because this whole war is fascinating. But uh, in order to, to capture the story of the San Patricios, um, as they're holding off on what's going to become this last stand, they're ordered to hold a convent, which is hilarious because now Santa Ana is ordering these uh, Irish Catholics to uh, hold their own version of the Alamo. Mm-hmm. OK, so that's a little bit awkward.
3: And the Alamo was previous to this, correct?
2: Correct. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, that was during the, years, yeah. the yeah. Texas Republic. and. Johnny, you know, the Americans, Johnny
0: Riley. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Came, you know, the Wild <laughs> Yeah, and Santa Ana was not a, a big, uh, didn't have a real big fan base with the Americans because, you know, what, 15 years before with uh, the uh, – war for the Texas independence or the you Republic killed of killed our congressman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was Santa Ana who was leading the Mexicans at that point against the Americans at the Alamo. And there were only like a handful of um, people that were left at, at the conclusion of the Battle of the Alamo who were primarily wounded. And then Santa Ana had them executed. So it was, you know... Kill them all, and you know
3: right. That's no quarter. (laughs) There was
2: no quarter. No quarter. No mercy. No surrender. Kind of a thing that you're you're gonna you're gonna die. So, um, you know that's what that's really what riled up the Texans back in uh, the war with for Texas. So anyhow, um, yeah. So Santa Ana was not a big, uh, did not have a big fan base uh, with any of the Americans, which is. Uh, Another interesting point, I think, too. In a
1: lot of ways, they're betraying what uh, the men at the Alamo died for. Right. So Now, I thought this was wild. These guys are realizing it's going to be their last stand. Um, Now, like you said, Chris, this is not their fault, but they're just kind of victims of circumstance. So – there was a, uh, a treehouse in a backyard. We used to have airsoft wars in Charlie. Do you remember this? <laughs> I do. I do. I used to make my last stand almost on a weekly basis out there, and it would. I would watch. Uh, I'd watch Charlie sneak in, and then uh, uh, his brother would sneak in on the other side. I'd sit there and try to figure out who was I going to. And then I never won, but it was always the glory of the last stand.
4: <laughs> so um,
1: there was one time when we shot a guy into your pool. That was pretty
5: great. Um, I won't say his name. <laughs> I still remember us trying to convince my mom that sunglasses were an
1: effective eye protection. for <laughs> For <laughs> it was right when The Matrix came out, too. So we were all like dressed like Neo. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun, man. But uh, these guys were not having fun here. They realize it's, uh, it's the end of the line for them. Now, if these San Patricios get captured, Chris Hollenbeck, what is going to happen to them? Are they going to get treated like fair prisoners of war?
3: Not likely. Correct. Because they are not American citizens. They're not... You know, beholden to any any one group, they're <laughs> they're in trouble.
1: They're traitors to a degree. Now, uh, it has to do though with when they joined, right? Absolutely, that comes into a huge, huge aspect here as we're wrapping up. Um, now, this is the key part, Kahuna. This is a. I don't know if this will be your jaw drop moment, but this is a pretty damn good one. I I had to reread this twice to make sure I understood it. There's Mexican army mixed in with the San Patricios. Uh, and as they're sitting there and the Mexican army officers realize that the fight is lost, it's time to surrender. <laughs> they attempt to raise the white flag and it gets knocked down by the San Patricios who are like, nah, no, we're going all the way. It's not, not going to happen
0: for this is us. the most right. badass woman
4: this,
1: Yeah, my, my it, yeah it's
4: a no from one. me, yep, bud. Yep, right. no from me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no the now. So... Uh, so now two more times. This is American infantrymen are reporting this by the way. This is where we're getting this intel from. Okay. American infantrymen two <laughs> other like, times bloop, bloop, C bloop. Uh, Mexican uh, officers attempting to raise the white flag and surrender. And now, instead of just knocking down the flag, the San Patricios are shooting the Mexican (laughs) officers. They're like, you don't understand. (laughs) We're
2: not surrendering. (laughs) I gave my word. This isn't going well for us. (laughs) Right, right.
1: Uh, So uh, in the words of the quiet man, squire, your in-laws are
0: (laughs) (laughs) You put that. Flag <laughs> up a candle <kennel> with you <laughs> That's
1: right. So they're going nuts on them right now, dude. Uh, and they realize it's going to be it, – it's the, some of the most vicious hand-to-hand combat of the entire war. It's pretty nuts, by the way, that Irish immigrants are responsible for most of the brutal fighting in the U.S. war with Mexico. I mean where does this come mm. from? You can't even write this. But it becomes their uh, their last stand. After exhausting their munitions, brutal hand-to-hand combat and even an injury on the battlefield to Mr. John Riley. Uh, the San Patricios are finally forced to surrender. They are uh, chided, and uh, I thought this was a great line. Here. Chided, yeah. And <laughs> this was a great line. Chided and insulted with all of the American Saxon verbiage. So every word you can think of to call these poor <laughs> bastards—they're getting called. They're—they're um, they're traitorous scum. That's what they are. Chris, you were right about that, man. There's no safe quarter here. They fought like hell because they knew they were going to get hung when they got captured. Right, What's, the,
2: what's the option? Yeah, I mean, they're. Die now, hour, they or die, die later. later. They are right. deserters.
1: Right. So get this now. As the dust is settling on this battle, uh, which is only like halfway through the uh, Mexican American War, we won't, uh, we'll, we'll kind of give a couple of footnotes here on that, but we're not going to go too, uh, too much in depth with that. Um, as the dust settled, more than 60% of the San Patricios were killed or captured during that engagement. So the rest of them, they kind of ran off to fight another day, if you will. They mm-hmm. fought at uh, the Battle of Mexico City, and uh, but they would never fought as the San Patricios again. This was the end of the line for them, um, the Battalion de San Patricio. A uh, wounded John Riley and his men were taken prisoner. So poor John Riley, just a nice boy from Ireland, serving in the British Army, coming into Canada, entering Michigan, deserting the U.S. Army. Um, he is now uh, captured, and uh, it's a punishment uh, for desertion, by the way. Charlie kind of made sure that we hit this point. Uh, If you desert during a time of war, it's death. All right. If you desert just prior to the war, you're a deserter and it's shameful. Okay. That comes in to be a a huge thing here. Immediately upon them being taken prisoner, 75 Patricios that were captured uh, were charged with desertion. So – Um, During a time of war, like we said, punishable by death. So since Riley had deserted prior to the war, he was going to get off the hook, at least in terms of the mass hangings. Now... This is the weird part of the Way story. To give that away. Yeah, <laughs> this is the weird part of the story, though. I thought this was important to say. The Mexicans talk about uh, an Anglo-Saxon massacre and the uh, uh, the violent ways of England and all this other stuff, and how um, the, the trials were rushed along. But even the San Patricios were like, "No, this was a regular military tribunal. We got our due and proper, our day in court." The English are real big on that, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. They're,
3: they're so they're so used to English <laughs> yeah. rule. They're like, yeah, <laughs> right, right. This is this, this is, is just
0: how it is. This is fi- this is fine.
1: <laughs> so, the government's
0: just telling us we're going to get yeah. hung. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So, but it, oddly, the Americans went through the the proper channels, if you will, to make sure that everybody got a, a fair day in court to a degree. Um, now, I thought this was uh, worth mentioning as well. Like I did say, I kind of give it away that. Uh, John Riley escapes uh, execution. Okay, um, what he does not escape we'll cover later. But just um, him or a few of him and anybody else who deserted prior to the declaration of war okay. with uh, Mexico. So a lot of the guys left afterwards. So during these military tribunals, uh, fifty San Patricios, count them fifty, were executed following those tribunals. Most of them were hung. With uh, well, pretty much it was weird. Uh, one of them was granted a, a firing squad death. Because uh, mm. he, he argued. He goes, guys, I didn't want to fight for the San Patricias. I kind of got forced into it. And they're like, you know what? You're right. Firing squad. <laughs>
2: right. Instead of <laughs> hanging the, you, the more the shoot way. you.
1: You've <laughs> avoided the noose.
0: Oh, uh, you know, we have some sympathy for you. Oh, you do? Yeah. Instead, you're just getting shot at.
1: <laughs> so, Kahuna, you were with us for our uh, one of my favorite episodes, The Electric Chair. Yes, I right. was. Uh, well, what we're about to talk about is still on record as the largest mass execution in American history. 50. And now it's spread out over three separate events uh, with numbers of like...
0: Events. Yeah.
1: yeah,
3: (laughs) It was all all one...
1: Yeah, one foul swoop of justice, if you will. But uh, three separate instances where uh, 50 San Patricios were hung to death. Now, weird thing about this, uh, LP, when someone dies via hanging, what's supposed to kill them?
2: Well... When they pull the cart out from under you or drop the floor out from under you, you're supposed to drop and your neck gets snapped. So you're, you're killed Should instantly. be instantly. Right, right. Should be instantly. But if your neck isn't snapped, um, you're just going to let there to – you're going to hang there and dangle and you're going to strangle the, strangle yourself to death.
1: Chris, yeah, when you were in college, did you ever do um, like a project for the school and there was a limited amount of funding for something?
4: no think a stage, no, stage set fair enough think a stage set you got materials that you're
3: talking about like a, a nice you know version of the crucible from high school exactly where, yeah, <laughs> where you man, go. you're like oh well we'll hang somebody no we'll use a real rope it's fine don't worry <laughs> don't worry about it we'll just we'll just <laughs> we'll fake it really well it's okay and then you know opening night comes and well, well that's ooh, what winds up
1: happening newspapers is that uh they don't have enough rope in order to provide the uh, the length necessary for the fall to break the necks. So now, uh, thirty at a time, these guys are getting hung, and they're not getting hung where their necks are going to break. They're getting hung to the point of strangulation, like you said, Dad. Right. Imagine the most gruesome hanging you've ever seen, and then twenty nine other guys going through the same shit right behind you. Right. Uh-huh. So and your
3: guys Marty McFly are are and Back and... in Back to the Future Part Three.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> couldn't remember what movie it was. What's the movie where the guy uh, helps the guy fall? Right. I want to say it was hang him high or something like that, where uh, he promises that he'll make sure that the guy falls right. That that's that's his final, you know, uh, his act gift. of decency. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I'll make sure you die immediately instead of sitting there and strangling. Right. So. It's wild
2: stuff, man. Um, well, welcomes back to Boy Scout knots. I mean, if you don't know how to tie your, <laughs> your
3: hangman's
1: knot.
2: You know, they don't teach that one in the right, handbook right, anymore. Right. <laughs> in pioneering, no, you had to learn the, the hangman's noose to <laughs> properly hang a guy. Right?
1: Uh, that's, you just brought back some memories. <laughs> True story. That was my first weekend in Camp Lewis with uh, you two fellas. Sl- um,
2: Slipknot versus taut line hitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was the sheep shank. Brutal. <laughs> uh,
1: still no,
5: tie sheep shank. Me too. <laughs> that's like one of the few I can tie. That in yeah. the... Two half
1: inches. Oh, is that how your wife let you come out tonight for this? <laughs> so uh, now, Mr. John Riley is—he's uh, not going to get away with anything here either. Uh, what they do is they give him uh, fifty lashes. So anybody who deserted prior to the Declaration of War, they're, uh, they get fifty lashes. LP, uh, real quickly, just say the next thing that happens to him. You know exactly what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, you're gonna—you're gonna receive fifty lashes, and then you're going to be branded on the cheekbone um, with a, the letter D for for deserter. Oh, I thought it was so dickhead. I had
1: this wrong. The entire <laughs> so
2: everybody knows from this point forward that you were a deserter of the U.S. Army. But then they were going to keep him in jail for pretty much forever. Right. Well, as long as the U.S. Army was in Mexico, that he was going to be um, in confinement. Actually, John Riley was forced to dig the graves of the guys that they were hanging.
1: So, so his own men. Brutal. That's that's how you do it. Oof. It's uh, Yeah. So if we followed Larry nope. Burke off to war. That is, that's right. <laughs> right. Go ahead, Since, we're, since we're at the
3: hangings, Fuck didn't God. some of the hangings take place, like, overseeing one of the yes. battles? Yeah. 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 Yes.
1: This the, the wildest part. What was the battle, <laughs> Helpy? Churubusco. So uh, this is the wildest part. Um, I thought it was Churubusco was the last stand. Yeah, oh. I thought that too. Yeah, we'll correct that later. Uh, maybe, I'm, yeah, I, maybe I'm screwing you, up. You're slightly that. off because here's the craziest part. General Winfield Scott. OK, we talk about former uh, – Zachary Taylor goes on to be president. We know that. Uh, he's the general uh, in charge of a lot of these battles. Winfield Scott wants to be president, and the reason why he his campaign is flawed is is because he oversees a lot of the executions of the San Patricios. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get elected president when there's this massive Irish population that hates your fucking guts.
3: Well, why can they vote? Yeah, <laughs> Who made them citizens? <laughs> right, right, right.
1: <laughs> so they talked about that a lot. Now, a lot of the San Patricios, I want to say it was 30 of them, were executed in plain view of both the uh, Mexican army and the United States army. Yes, just and, overlooking. <laughs> which I thought, this is hilarious. You want to talk about resolve, Kahuna? You've never heard of resolve like this one before. With uh, ropes around their neck, knowing they're about to face strangulation, not not a quick breaking of the neck, strangulation. Uh, the San Patris, when they see the Mexican flag, start cheering for the Mexican flag as they're in U.S. custody.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, this is some wild shit going on over. Here. That's the that's that. If you ever piss off an Irish, ah, fuck you, <laughs> mother- <laughs> like that that animal thing that comes out of them. They're nasty people that way. Um, But uh, that's the resolve that they had here in terms of uh, how they they felt they were, like, being done wrong. Now, to his defense, uh, John Riley, who did receive his 50 lashes, and they say he did not make a sound during the lashes. He screamed out in agony when he got the branding of the D underneath his eye. Um, Now, the other thing I also want – just actually tell the story about that
2: one real quick. Yeah, I mean he receives the 50 lashes without crying out in in agony or pain. But when he is branded – Actually, the guy that brands him is like real timid about the whole thing and, and uh, all nervous, uh, all nervous <laughs> and jerky, right? All nervous it's, and it's jerky. It's like in Jackass 2 when Bam Margera gets I mean, his uh, yeah. ass down. Oh, no. to, yeah. to brand uh, a human being. You got to commit to that. Yeah, you got to go in. <laughs> yeah. So he brands uh, Riley on the cheek, um, and then realizes that the D was upside down and oh the, the the officer in charge of the, of the of the punishment like just flips out and starts screaming and hollering and grabs the branding iron from the guy who attempted it the first time, and Riley receives a second brand with the D right side, right reading, right side up on the opposite cheek. Well,
0: so that's bullshit. He, yeah, yeah he, that's absolute bullshit. He received. I mean, and that and that takes received, time
2: as someone who's yeah. branded before. I mean, that, t- that t- <laughs> yeah, it takes time. Been branded right. or branded. We. Brandon and <laughs> film on. You're right. We yeah, did. Our yeah. boots. Now the <laughs> scout, uh, scout <laughs> yeah. adventure, right? Didn't
1: go on that one. Sounded
2: boring. Yeah, so um, on the one cheek, he had <laughs> the a lot D of upside walking. down and the second cheek. Especially Not you lost. <laughs> Navigassing. <of>
1: <laughs> um, uh, key factor here, I just want to mention. So Riley did get his day in court, by the way, before all this happened. And he testified to having deserted due to discrimination. So, yes, the San Patricios did, uh, you know, they are considered traitors, uh, depending on how you look at it. Um they also did start to put effects, uh, put changes into effect. I should say that uh, led to a more lenient look on Catholic uh, service in the military. Sure, so it has to go there. So now, not for nothing, uh, Thomas Francis Maher, who literally is an American Irish American hero. Uh, that's only the Civil War, which, like we said, this is right. the precursor of the Civil right. War. So that part's important here. Before we get to Riley's final fate.
3: Well, and also it's interesting that they got charged with desertion and not with treason. Also, course, same fate, same fate, but interesting distinction yeah right. also
0: i have a question for you is the 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 d branding that they had they do for him was that like just like a specialty thing that they cooked up and was like let's be sick fucks and brand this dude a, no that a was... dick for the rest of his life or is that something that happened to you multiple people you got the P for pyre, you got the d for <laughs> right. right no like
2: right. I, I actually used... actually um, that was military standards that if you were a deserter you would be branded with the d really uh, if yeah and... cuz you don't want to just go to the next country
3: over and say oh i can All right be in the <laughs> I'm, I'm good. i got right, training right. don't worry about me um,
2: um, and i'm a d for drill sergeant and there <laughs> was
1: also
2: there was also because um, oftentimes guys would would be absent without leave or AWOL as we know it now, and come back and blame it while I was drunk. Well, okay. that we might you might get away with that for one, two, maybe even three times. Uh, Still works in the Navy, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're if you're not um, um, there for Ross or from for muster um, after using that excuse three times, then you would be branded with an HD habitual drunkard. On the cheek toe. Everybody knows that this guy is so a habitual. So if you habitual. get the D,
3: you right. want to definitely just get the H added on. <laughs> right. 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 I'm just a drunk. Just I'm just a it.
2: drunk, I swear. Right. Not a habitual <laughs> deserter, a <laughs> habitual drunkard. I mean, there's, there's definitions here. I uh,
1: One one playoff appearance for the Giants, I showed up to the my ship, the USS Carney, and um, my work center supervisor, whose name I will not mention out of respect for him, uh, dude from Chicago. And he just looks at me and goes, Burke. Go eat your ass some skittles. You stank.
2: <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and in the, the final battle, um, too, that these guys were hung in plain view of not only the U.S. troops the that were troops doing well. the the hanging, but they were also to the Mexican troops. So, um, you know, they're here's your 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 best unit these San Patricios and this is the fate that they're going to have we just hung Lawrence Taylor what are you going to do about it right right (laughs) so you know that kind of takes the the wind out of your out of your sails a little bit of psychological warfare right right absolutely
1: now uh, I will say this as brutal as the U.S. military was at the time guys um They still let you out with a song. So it's just like American Idol. You know, (laughs) you had a bad day. (laughs) (laughs) They play uh, they play Riley out. They shave his head. Um, He's got the brand on his face. The two nasty. Yeah, on both cheeks. They tear all of his buttons off his uniform. And this poor bastard from Galway gets uh, drummed out of camp to the rogues march, which is like the final insult. That's the song. I mean, you might as well hear... Uh,
2: that's a shameful uh, a shameful tune to be played as your... Oh, guy. yeah.
1: That is, um, this dude's a douchebag and uh, will always be known as a douchebag. Now, what's weird is that that's the last you kind of hear of the mention of the San Patricios by the United States Army for the longest time. They denied their existence. They never existed. For a
3: long time. Exactly.
1: Now, the problem is Mexico is all about recognizing. They are still heroes in Mexico. Where you'll see a, uh, an Irish name In the middle of uh, a Mexican name like, uh, you know, what we were talking about earlier on the ride down was like uh, Alejandro, uh, you know, Topher Kelly, (laughs) (laughs) Mendoza. And it's those are people who have lineage to, um, you know, the San Patricios. Uh, One of their biggest fighters in in Mexico is Canelo Alvarez, who is a white guy with red hair. Uh, By the way, weird fact that you guys aren't ready for. Louis C.K., the comedian. You guys know him?
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Guess where he's from? Mexico. Yep. (laughs) I think I knew that. Red hair, hair with a, a Polish hair. last name. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm not even shitting you. When I went up to look this dude's – to look up our, our boy here. John uh, Riley? Yeah. Louis C.K. oddly popped up. <laughs>
1: uh, that might lend us into uh, what we're going to get to in a second with your segment. Here, okay. I thought that would be an interesting guy. Oh, uh, wow. But uh, Riley would serve in the Mexican army now. He, he has a, a way of getting around these uh, brands on his face. He grows a beard. All right, and as as you guys know, the Irish do not grow beards until after age thirty, as I learned the hard way.
4: <laughs>
1: You've got a nice two millimeters
3: of scruff going. Then, yeah.
1: Well, I had a good beard, and then I shaved it. But then, like an idiot, I had a I won't even lie. I had a, a girl ran her fingers through my hair to show him Poughkeepsie, and she goes, "I feel like you like you know could do without the beard." And I like went home that night and just,
4: oh, you- oh, what?
1: There's your motivation. Trust
3: <laughs> a girl from Poughkeepsie.
1: Right. <laughs> you do have Siri, where's the nearest Zales? I'll say that. They are. I'm, I'm I'm a Lannister, fellas. What are we going to do about it? <laughs> but uh, he's now drummed out of camp, never going to serve in the American Army again. Not that he ever really did in the first place. Um, but uh, he goes back to Mexico and he serves in the Mexican Army. And here's the weird part. When he dies, they have no idea how old he was or how it happened. There's one report that says that he was 45 years old and died of drunkenness. And other people are saying, no, 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 the – Riley, we knew, was a lifelong teetotaler. He never drank. They said he was a sober guy. So because Mexico's great in terms of remembering when you did him a favor, but they don't really keep the best records. OK, <laughs> now, a lot of that has to do with, like you said, Dad, that Santa Ana is going to come in and out of power again, uh, you know, at least a half a dozen more times. Yep. And as we covered in the Pancho Villa episode, uh, every government had a rebellion against it until literally into World War Two. So, no. thankfully, now Mexico is calm and stable, and <laughs> as politically effective as ever. <laughs> <laughs> not so much. But. Definitely not run by a cartel. Um, but Just
3: circling back to something you said way oh, earlier, please, yeah, yeah. Um, that the San Patricios were offered land. And that some of the San Petrusians who were able to escape did actually take up the Mexican government on that, and they were able, very few, able yeah. to actually get, very few, but they were able to get yeah. Mexican land and settle down and and, 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 and live their lives and, right. just, yeah. and just sort of fade off. Well, if off you look and
1: like Bill Burr and, or you look like Louis C.K., and you have a chance with something that looks like Selma Hayek, you're going to take, take that, take that chance.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so i got to do what? How many brands? How many? <laughs> so, uh, How many lashes? 50 Before lashes? we send it over to uh, uh, the Kahuna for the casting session do you guys have anything else you want to add to this? Because we're going to say goodbye in a second.
2: But. Yeah, well, we kind of skipped over the, the Jersey connection on this episode. Here it is. So we got we to have a war, Jersey connection. I was
3: connection. waiting because I looked. I did research and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't
2: come uh, up with come it. On, so on, I'm dad, excited. He's so good. He's so good. Right. <laughs> um, there is a definite Jersey connection in that uh, when war was declared, um, there was uh, two two individuals that were in charge, one in charge of the Navy, one in charge of the, the Army. Um there was a, a Stephen W. Carney. Um, uh, who, Carney?
0: Where have I heard that name? Yeah, Carney. <laughs> uh, if you're, if you're a, a
2: Jerseyite, especially a North Jerseyite, you might have heard about we uh, just in the uh, Katie Burke <laughs> sphere um, of influence. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, the uh, American loser sphere of influence. There's a Stephen W. Carney who was born in our own Newark, New Jersey. Um, he um, also had a nephew Uh, Major General Philip Carney that would make a name for himself in the American Civil War, Hmm. which is a few years after this. But uh, he was a an army guy, a brigadier general, and um, he's sent um, to Santa Fe. So, again, now you talk about Texas. Well, Texas took in a whole lot more property than just just the state of Texas that we know today that uh, he was sent out to Santa Fe, New Mexico with his army and then made his way. Further west um, into California, and kind of took over California. Again, that's more than just the state of California. That went all the way up, pretty don't, near to the Canadian.
1: Don't ruin our Bear Rebellion episode <laughs> to the
2: to the uh, to the Canadian border. But uh, he was uh, involved with um, claiming further land rights, if you will, to California. California is very similar to Texas in that. It was under Mexican rule, but it was kind of an independent state. That It was so it far was, out. That it, was could, so far, yeah, it was control. so far north that Mexico City had really zero influence as to what was going on in California. And California was not a very populated kind of a thing. Los Angeles was probably one of the biggest, and they had like a whopping 3,000 people. But uh, anyhow, Mr. Carney, who um, – from our own Kearney, New Jersey. He, well, actually, it was his nephew that Kearney, New Jersey, was be named after. But there is a definite uh, Kearney connection here with uh, um, being born in Newark, New Jersey. So he's on the Army side, and then there's a Navy guy by the name of Robert F. Stockton. Now you might have <laughs> you might have heard of Stockton if you're if from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Now Robert F. Stockton comes from uh, a w- very wealthy family. Uh, actually, he was born in Morven on Stockton Street in Princeton, <laughs> New Jersey. and As you do. Some of those New Jersey residents might realize that Morvin, what we call now Morvin, is actually the governor's mansion. So he was born in the house that we now call our, our state of New Jersey governor's mansion. Hmm. Um, big time uh, bucks, a very well-to-do family. Um, his father was a U.S. senator. And a representative, his grandfather was Judge Richard Stockton, was attorney general for New Jersey and a signer of the Declaration of Independence. So wow. this guy's got pedigree. But um, we should honor
1: him with a rest stop of some sort.
2: There you go. go. <laughs> Walker his face every day. <laughs> <laughs> Take a flip a whiz in uh, the, the Stockton uh, rest area. But anyhow. Um, Stockton is a Navy guy. He's made the the Commodore and arrives at Monterey, California. Now, we just – I was really confused initially with this because there's a Monterey, California, and then there was a Battle of Monterey during the Mexican War. But that Monterey is in Mexico. So there's a Monterey, California, which was pretty much – West Coast out there. Yeah, West Coast out there, California, independent with whatever was going on in Mexico City. But uh, he – Uh, arrives with uh, some Marines and some Blue Jackets, which were, um, you know, Navy personnel, um, uh, enlisted personnel, and takes over Monterey, California, without firing a shot. The only shots that were fired were in celebration of uh, their flag being raised. (laughs) And then they send in additional Navy personnel into San Francisco, into Los Angeles. So, again, they're trying to claim as much property as they possibly can. Because while all of this was going on with Polk, you know, trying to pick a fight with the Mexican government so that they could land grab um, Texas. The Brits are up in Washington and Oregon, and you know the United States is in a big debate with Great Britain as to who exactly owns that properly. And, and Polk ran on the whole fifty-four um, forty or Fifty-four forty or fight, exactly. Where uh, is fifty-four forty or fight, brother? Let me tell you what me, G. When I come down there, and James K. Polk is going to run wild on you. Open up, <laughs> open up a large can of whoop ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what uh, you know. That was. Uh, situation that was also facing the United States as, uh, hey, we don't want to go to another war with Great Britain over the boundary, but you know, push comes to shove, we're we're ready. The United States is really pretty big about themselves. I mean, we 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 won our independence from Great Britain. We had another little to do with uh, with Great Britain in the War of eighteen twelve. The Barbary Pirates. Everybody else is paying tribute to the Barbary Pirates, and we kicked the shit out of them. So I mean, they're they're pretty feeling large and in charge here, and, uh, you know, this whole manifest destiny thing comes back He's to what He's we about to become my impression now. Did you guys feel that for a
1: second? <laughs> <laughs> that was the Scoutmaster's minute for a second.
2: <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, but anyhow, uh, there was our Jersey connection with uh, Mr. Carney and, and uh, so Mr. Starian. Very cool. So we
1: hit that one, uh, and we, we hit a, a pretty good one on uh, this. I'm very happy. guys. This is my birthday. We're being – we're playing by no rules. <laughs> um Kahuna, you got a casting couch for us real quick, bud? I
0: do, man. Don't say that. I've been he, no, that's, that's what it's called. 2019. <laughs> don't um, say that. Kahuna's
1: casting couch is the segment. <laughs> right? Theme song coming soon. I anyway. want to say <laughs> what sound effect <laughs> we're gonna use.
0: So I've literally been spending this whole episode trying to figure out. Cause I do like I have a a list mm-hmm. of who I think could play him, and it's and it's kinda odd because I really can't pinpoint who it was. Do I go off of appearance? Because if you go to look him up. There's not really any, like, historical drawings. You just have the statue to go off of. So I'm just like, okay... So
1: If he cool. says Tom Berenger, I'm going to laugh so hard. Well,
0: yeah, Tom <laughs> Berenger. I was going to say, should we mention that? <laughs> no, I knew yeah. about it already. So I was like, well, he's already been casted as him, but like, who else could it be?
1: The, that movie, by the way, did not get released in the United States because of uh, some interference. Mm. So From they, gover- what? Government they, interference. Are, are you, you serious? serious? Wow. They, they made a San Patricio's movie starring Tom Berenger. And uh, there's a lot of other character actors that are pretty well and, – and we watched it on YouTube and it was – Garbage. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was like bad like, well, like right. or bad. Bad. Uh, it, it was bad, but two it wasn't stars finished.
2: was really. I mean,
3: a... outside of the substitute in Sniper, has Tom Berenger been anything good? Inception. Was... Substitute. No. Substitute two is Treat it's Williams. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: Major League. You know, a caliber, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I'm
3: sorry. You're absolutely right. Major League, Major League <laughs> two, enjoyed. and Major League three. Back at the minors. But I'm. It's you're absolutely right.
0: Between two choices, either Mel Gibson, oh, or young Keanu Reeves. Interesting. I don't. I can't. And the only reason why I'm more towards Mel Gibson is because I feel like he could have that kind of crazed energy towards the role and bring that kind of authentic anger towards it.
2: Well, he's already done a persecution thing with. Uh, <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so, yeah. you know, but I mean, I lashes, but I feel like I feel like a Mel Gibson
3: in in this would be more like a Mel Gibson in The Patriot, and you know, it's a little little
5: close. I was thinking like a Brendan Gleeson, maybe.
0: Brendan Gleeson.
1: I'm into that. Charlie's casting couch now, (laughs) All Alright,
0: well, I've been (laughs) cancelled. It was nice knowing y'all. See you later. Bye. (laughs) Holy shit.
1: Did you have anything else before we wrap up?
0: Nah, man, that was it. This was a cool episode. Uh, Like, I literally spent the entire time trying to figure out who the fuck I would cast. (laughs) Like, I was just Just like, wait. It's what tough. One. The
1: fuck, this one. Yeah, because this one's really tough. It's weird because I, I can see the runtime for the episode is over two hours right now. We, we did not go that long. No, not go Ming that. started recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah or, so, okay. so I know. So we're actually around um, the uh, the one forty mark. I want to say. Wow. So that's where the episode started. Um, Happy
2: birthday, Kev So if, if, birthday. if I could
1: ask for, yeah, we're at one forty six right now. So if you could give me the uh, the fifteen minutes of extra audio, if you could just send that to me personally, I'll release that on my own or something. <laughs>
4: yeah. But
1: um, so again, uh, guys, I I turned thirty to today. A lot of people said it couldn't be done. Um, but uh, I'm very happy here. Uh, it, it's great to have uh, two of my oldest friends uh, in the building here with me. Uh, my father, who made me love history. and We got into this story, by the way, uh, of the San Patricios because we listened to a Chieftain's song Uh, which we used to have to listen to. You guys got it in the morning. I got it
2: all the time for 32 years.
1: Um, But uh, and then oddly, when I moved to Jacksonville and I was in the Navy, I would listen to it on my own because it made me feel better. (laughs) But um, the Chieftains, an Irish band, had a a song literally where they're playing the instruments. And it's the story of the San Patricios is being told in spoken word form. Uh, Get this by Liam Neeson. I yeah. thought that would have been your casting couch
2: for sure. Really? Right? Yeah. Liam yeah. Neeson would See, have been like, a good John Riley for
0: sure. It was hard because like, well, yeah, I always yeah, played Rob Roy. <laughs> it's a whole <laughs> thing. Like acting right. ability, to, like to just just pure recognition. <laughs> yeah, but I, I couldn't. By the way, yours is perfect. But I have you seen his son? Dominic Monaghan, right? Yeah. His oh, yeah. Son I'm a big could, fan of him.
5: His son could do it too. He's a little meek. But yeah, I think he probably could with his with his acting
1: chops for oh, sure. Oh, my God.
5: Yeah. Oh. But he's in the new Star Wars trilogy and it's hard to take him seriously a little
1: bit well finally at the two hour Mark Curcio comes out of his shell <laughs> cool. um, I've had enough <laughs> no this was great this is uh, one of the best birthdays I've ever had guys I, I sincerely but before matter. we leave absolutely
3: <laughs> let's just have a quick moment as a tribute to LP saying what a wonderful scoutmaster second oh, father role model he was Amazing. growing up also I did this in the car right over Uh-oh. all three of our fathers excellent stash game
1: yeah oh, wow. You're right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So didn't even think of that.
0: Good job, everyone. I can't pull it off. No. <laughs> no, that's why I got the beard. Yeah. But but if the, there, there was, if the was, was right. a way to properly explain the face of glee he just had when, <laughs> you, did, when you said that. Well, oh thank man. Thank you
2: for that. That 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 really is go uh, for the tears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to circle up and <laughs> Sing Scout Vespers as we go out of here, uh, You
1: guys don't know it. I can see the cracks in this foundation. <laughs> I know.
2: <already.
4: laughs>
1: no, this is a misty-eyed one for me, guys. Uh, I, again, I love both of you to death. Uh, I would do too. this more often, will we? All right? I mean, we've got a, sure. a, a bottle of whiskey and a cup. We don't even have to talk about history. We could just bullshit about our own nonsense. But Cahoons, thanks for coming in strong, as you always do, buddy. No uh, problem. LP, thanks for making us love history. Thanks for being an influence on uh, everybody at this table, to be honest. <laughs> All right? Truly. Uh, Charlie, thanks for abandoning your family. Uh, Chris, thanks for abandoning your dog and your wife. <laughs> uh, and, uh, what's the ferret game up to? Any ferrets right now or no? Two
3: ferrets, one spider.
1: Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. spider. spider. Um, and uh, thank you to my saint of a mother for sitting on the couch the entire time. I'm so sorry. She
3: is the best. <laughs> we're, yep. uh, we're gonna get some Second food in. after
1: this because I've been drinking whiskey on an empty stomach all day. But guys, uh, if you're loving the podcast, uh, which I hope you are, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, everything else like that. Uh, check me out at uh, KP Burke sucks on Twitter and Instagram, KP Burke on Facebook. Uh, this episode's gonna come out. Uh, uh, I'll be done with it already, but hell, guys, I'm going out of Side Splitters in Tampa tomorrow to go open up for Bobby Kelly, one of the best comics in the entire country. Pretty so cool. I'm happy as hell, hey. man. Uh, guys, that was the San Patricios American Loser.
0: An American loser, the day I was born. An American loser, the day I was born. An American loser, the day I was born.